We're back again, coming at you with part three of season one of Westworld today, man. This has been awesome. I had no idea it was so detailed of a show. Right. I mean, what we started two weeks ago with episodes one, two, three, and four for part one of season one, and then just last week we tackled uh, episodes five, six, and seven for part two of season one, and today we're going to close out the very first season of Westworld with episodes eight, nine, and ten. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's nice to do something different for once. Hundred percent. Very, very much a breath of fresh air. Especially, you know, we were talking about how great we both believe the writing in this series has been up until this point. Of course, I haven't touched. I haven't tackled season two yet. Mm -hmm. I've only uh, finished season one, so I'm hoping it stays as good as it is. You know, throughout the entire series, because damn man. With all the twists and turns and, uh, you know, what you think is going to happen versus what really happens, this is a show you really got to pay attention to the whole way through. Oh, most definitely. I've, you know, I don't think I've ever watched a show that was so intellectually challenging for a season one. Right. Like, there's a lot of shows that, you know, have a lot of twists and turns and full circle moments, just like this show, but season one? Right, and usually, like, we were talking about saying they'll set stuff up they'll foreshadow in a way for seasons to come Mm -hmm. but these foreshadows come full circle in the same season yeah and it's just season one so no i'm I'm right there with you it's a very psych it's a psychological uh test you know and i'm I'm sure that's why a lot of the the listeners wanted to request westworld because it's something that is a little bit challenging and to have us tackle something so intricate is a good challenge for both of us and uh before we get started into it, I did want to mention for the people who are uh, only listening through audio and don't see us on the camera, uh, Chase and I are wearing our cowboy hats today and uh, just getting in with the theme of Westworld, and we'll be doing that throughout the remainder of the uh, Westworld arc all the way through. See, I three. really wanted to say howdy, partner, to you, especially for what happened. <laughs> I was at this Halloween party last year. Uh, you know, for those of y'all that are listening, we've told y'all before we're filming this from Florida, so... Mm-hmm. Disney World is like a big place down here, so that's like right in, not right in our backyard, but right down the street. Yeah, close much. enough, right? Yeah, yeah, basically in our backyard, uh, over here in Windermere, Florida, and <laughs> Winter Park. Uh, yeah, so I went there last year for this Halloween party, and you know I grew up in Georgia, so it's not like, like it's not like in Georgia. Don't worry, we're civilized. Like it's not like we just walk around in cowboy hats every day. Not Texas. <laughs> yeah, but I had one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And I was like, I'll just wear it. Like, we just call it a hat. So I just wore it to this Halloween party thing. And I was like, oh, this will be cool. Wasn't dressed up or anything, just wearing this hat. Instantly, the minute I walked in, like, every one of the crowds, like, thinking the best costume ever, like, howdy, partner. Got a friend in me today. There was a snake in my boot. Thought you were, what, Woody? Instantly. <laughs> instantly. They were literally looking for the writing that was on the bottom of my shoe. I was, yeah, where's know. Buzz? <laughs> I was just sitting there, and the minute I responded in a normal manager manner, like, hi, how's it going? They were like, you're not very good at character, are you? <laughs> Definitely don't be an actor, son. Don't be an actor. That's okay. awesome. It's funny, too, because talking about the hats, you know, when I first showed up here today, you were kind of debating between which hat to wear, and uh, you oh, actually had, you had, you had this hat that's like a full circle brim, and the way like, how it looked, I swear, it looked just like if you ever been pulled over by a state trooper and they come up in that hat. I thought I thought that's exactly what he looked like. Thought he was gonna give you a ticket for being late to the show today, but yeah, man. And, and just for that, that one thing I want to mention, what we'll do right now, uh, just to kind of get moving on with the episode, is what we usually do, and what we'll do from here into the end of the season is we'll 
we'll, we'll wear these in the very beginning introduction. We'll tip our hats to you, and then we'll put on our headsets, and, and Chase and Josh will get to work. First of all, this hat originally looked like this for the ones watching on YouTube. It's For the ones on the audio, it is kind of dipped. Like, it looks like William's hat, but okay. brown. It was black, but it got faded in the sun. Yeah, you can't this- keep hats in the summer heat down here in Florida in the car, oh. man. Ruins them. And that's exactly what happened to it. I left it in the car. It went flat, and I was like, oh, I should wear this today because it looks like the man in black. Like, this is going to be great, except for it would be the man in brown because it's brown. <laughs> And uh, that's when Josh was like, so how many tickets do I get for being like two minutes late? Yeah. (laughs) So that's when he decided, he's like, you know what? We'll stick with the hat we put on yesterday. And uh, funny enough, before we'll we'll take the hats off for you, uh, this hat itself, one of my buddies, uh, he actually gifted it to me. He's from Australia. He came to visit and he brought me and a couple of our other friends some of these hats. They're actually called Jakaru Australian Swagman hats. And they're actually like a, a leather hat. So it's almost like the Crocodile Dundee type ahead if you guys can see here but it's the closest thing that i had since my actual cowboy hat is very ruined the brim's all messed up and it's like twisted to where like it, you, i couldn't even look straight without it looking you know cockeyed so this is this is what i'll be wearing for, Dude, for the rest I, of this off, i man. love it i wish mine was like that <laughs> that would be an awesome podcast too i mean we do fantasy here but for someone else to do it if y'all want to start a podcast <laughs> on cowboy podcast. hats so like <laughs> We got the Aussie hats. We got the New Zealand cowboy hats. We got the 10 gallons. We got. Oh, I'd be tuned in every week. Yeah, dude. I'd be an ultimate subscriber. I'd be like 100%. one of those Patreons. They call it. <laughs> a Patreon yeah. account for the, the different types of cowboy hat and the materials. <laughs> like, ordering every week, man. You got some merch on there. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, let's let's tip these uh, awesome hats to the to the crowd. Get our headsets on, and what do you say we dive on into what we're doing let's today? Get a malice in the oh, chalice. Oh, good call, brother. First, Cheers, man. man. Yeah, good stuff. Damn. Mm. let's do it you i don't it. say dilly dilly anymore because josh yeah. yeah that went out in 2017 <laughs> wasn't that that was a game of thrones commercial though i'm pretty sure Where that was like, a Bud commercial pit of misery yeah it was a Bud commercial yeah well good stuff man let's dive into it i mean one big thing about I, let's talk about the actors for a minute, though. 100%. Star-studded cast. And this is season one, because I've heard yeah. that they've added awesome ones for the ne- the next couple seasons, mm-hmm. too. But we got, you know, first and foremost, Anthony Hopkins, one of my favorite actors. He's fantastic. Does a great job per- portraying Robert Ford. But then we also got, what, James Marsden. Um, it's stacked. Man. It is. It's I, really stacked. I mean, you had Evan and Rachel Wood, of course, that did Across the Universe, which I was really impressed with her, because she didn't really do... She did things before, like, of course, I think she did Broadway and stuff, too, but it wasn't like she was a huge name in Hollywood like Anthony Hopkins. Like, you can Mm -hmm. tell a lot of the cash budget went to Anthony Hopkins. Sure. Um, But then not even that. Of course, Ashley Stubbs, that's uh, Luke Luke and Chris Hemsworth's brother. He he is Luke Hemsworth, so it's Chris and Liam's brother. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, yeah, Yeah, which is really cool. Like, you don't, because everyone thinks chris hemsworth right that right, plays thor. thor yep thor um and, and liam hemsworth was one that was married to miley cyrus yeah and so now luke is luke is the oldest i believe mm-hmm. that's one yeah that we, gotcha the gotcha one that's on right that's where i was mixing up mm-hmm. yeah okay because there's three of them yep. right yep. three and then you had um i was really impressed uh he's a big time actor too the guy that plays the man in black yes yeah what's his name it's he was like in a ed lot harris of, or something like that something ed, harris. ed ed harris i think yeah. you are right because he was in remember the titans yep um, oh, he's great. 
He's done a lot of stuff too. So like then the guy who plays William uh, Jimmy Sam- Simpson or something. Yeah, like that. he was, he was big. Like, he's he good. Was good. I even like Logan, man. I know I you thought was, he's, Yeah, he's your guy. But I, I was just really and for a season one, like you know that. Imagine how on point you have to be to get a budget just for the cast like that approved. Exactly. Yeah, I think it's awesome, and they've done great so far. And I haven't even touched on season two, let alone season three. So I'm looking forward to seeing who they add along the way. Yeah. I've heard rumors of people that they've added. I, I haven't seen it yet, so I'm not gonna uh, spoil it, <laughs> and we're not gonna tackle it uh, here today. But yeah. what we should do is we should get get going on uh, season one, episode eight, and Let's take it through there. Dive into it, man. Yeah, good stuff. I'll let you take it away. Yeah, absolutely. So, um. For me, the biggest, though, obviously, this is the way the episode opens, right? Remember last week when we told you the big twist, obviously, at the end of episode seven, was we find out that Bernard's a host this entire time, which is great because one of those things, like you were mentioning earlier, Anthony Hopkins and his dialogue as Robert Ford, a lot of what he says honestly really gave away the fact that Bernard was a host all the time. But you couldn't tell until you knew. And then, like I said, when I go back and watch it through the second time, you see those little tiny remarks. They're like, oh, oh, my gosh. this he's been, He was basically teasing us with it the whole entire time. We weren't even seeing it. Mm. And think of what – I don't want to say he's like a sick freak, but he, he kind of – in his own intellectual way, like what a maniacal genius Dr. Robert Ford is. Because here's the thing, right? If you think about it, like – you know, when the scene first starts, they're discussing because Teresa, remember, Bernard had that relationship with her, which was an intimate relationship. So he's feeling all these things like, you know, grief and pain and all that stuff we were talking about. We talked a little bit about this before the show started for just a minute, just talking about what we noticed. But to Dr. Robert Ford, this is like an accomplishment for him because he's made these things so real. Yeah. He's looking at it like, you're just a machine. But this is amazing what I have accomplished because you think you're real. Yeah, that's, that's, that, I wouldn't say, you know, my biggest thing, and I've always said this since this started, I believe that Robert Ford, he's playing God in a way, right? Because he created these, these bots, what they call them, hosts, but from where they were at the very beginning when they were just all pieces, a million pieces of machinery put together like a robot, like AI, artificial intelligence, to where they are a day where they really are like flesh and bone and then all of a sudden you add like the consciousness and presence of mind to them as well they it's almost impossible to tell obviously you know we think bernard's a human the entire time until the, the we realize he's not right and so that's the biggest thing here too is that uh you know he when you when what they do in this lab is they wipe the memories anytime like a traumatic experience happens for these hosts like they die or they remember something they're not supposed to whatever they wipe the memory and Ford didn't do that to open up this episode. He wanted to kind of see, uh, you know, all the things that Bernard was going through. It was really kind of messed up, which, you know, Bernard, obviously, he was feeling in a range of emotions like anger, guilt, remorse, sadness, which is amazing when you think about it because these, are, these aren't these are sentient beings. These are man-made things that are just under his control this entire time. Which is very wild, too, because you would think, like, a normal person that is trying to do this they're just trying to see how far they can push this not only is ford trying to see how far he can push this just like he said before you know if we go back to the 16th century they would have burned us for witchcraft it's not only that though he's has a plan for every outcome which is kind of crazy too because this entire time 
the board is trying to do the exact opposite of what Ford is attempting. Like they are trying to simplify the hosts and make them less human-like. So that's why there's this big power struggle between Robert Ford, who created the Spark, and the board almost gonna, you know, in a way, pull an Apple and Steve Jobs situation, which of course we'll talk and get into later on. But that's really one of the cool. biggest things is that you know Ford wants to make these things almost unidentifiable from humans. Like you want, he wants people to believe they are real humans, and the board's like. Dude, like enough's enough. Like we're close. Like we don't. We we don't. We want to simplify it down. We don't want you know this to, this to happen. And then between this big power struggle comes this amazing narrative that we'll get into. Quick question, right before we get started here. Do you think? Because of course everyone knows we have AI today. It's not near to this level at all. Do you think that could ever be developed, or if anyone ever would want? to develop something like that i'm sure people do man like there's some people who want to test every limitation and boundary of this world you know i remember a time you know i know what i'm just gonna do this early i'm throwing a malice in the i was thinking about out doing there. too i just Dude, i'm gonna just throw it right early. out yeah. because there was this time i'll tell you what guys in high school i believe i was in my it was either my junior or senior year and i don't remember the exact situation i just remember the premise of it like scientists were going to try to create their own black hole which was would like destroyed the Earth if it was successful in the way like that black holes operate in space, and I think part of it was like throwing two atoms around like the like the circumference of the Earth and them hitting each other at like a high rate of speed, and they were going to attempt to make a black hole out of it. So like, man, if these people were okay with potentially making a black hole and destroying all of like the world in and of itself, and you know just getting sucked into a uh, you know a nothingness of a black <laughs> hole i think that yeah i do believe there's people out here that would probably do this <laughs> yeah. to be honest with you which is really scary to think about like there's so many things we don't even think about that people do like one concept is i always wonder about deja vu whether or not that was just a glimpse in your brain or are we really time traveling <laughs> you know it's so crazy it's wild you um, know and then let's think about it too because this is very relevant to what this westworld thing's about like our own like human dreams what are those about yeah you know is it just entertainment to keep us busy while we're sleeping and like recovering for the next day or like is there a reason behind them like you know are we waking up from a deep and distant slumber <laughs> I don't, yeah, you know I mean, it's know. it's crazy so but to answer the original question you had yeah i do believe that there's people out here that would want to take it this far and in far in terms of like could it eventually happen yeah i think so maybe 100 or so years in the future yeah I mean, because it's so heavy Especially because that's what's so great about this show is they made it to the point. I love fantasy shows that make it where it's almost realistic today to today's time. Like, is this possible, right? And the answer is this is very possible because even like the memories and the dreams, these things are basically computers that are recalling these things. How many times do you have computers that just go haywire because someone's hacked them, mm-hmm. right? So, and we have AI, like we were talking about Disney World earlier, they have them all over the place. You go to a theme park, they have them. Animatronic characters. Animatronics, right? Mm -hmm. So it's very, wow. I mean, scientists were experimenting with cloning and all that stuff. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, what would stop them from wanting to do this? Nothing at all. That's why, yeah. Yep, I, I, I think so. Cool. Um, Good Allison Chalice, man. <laughs> sure. You know, and what's kind of crazy this too is, you know, Ford, it seems that he has such a high level of respect for Bernard's abilities, 
but he's the one that gave Bernard his abilities. So when he like basically tells Bernard to cover his tracks, he doesn't even stop to think that you know anything would be out of the ordinary. I think you know, that's why another thing, reason why I say Robert Ford has this god complex because he just doesn't seem to be worried about anything at any point in time. He feels complete in control of every single outcome and circumstance associated with this Westworld and even his own colleagues that are real humans too. Like the way the board talks to him, trying to make him uncomfortable. Like dude, Ford just seems like. He, he, he feels like he's in control of everything and there's nothing to worry about. What's even more wild, I even consider he's trying to play God not with just the hosts. He's trying to play God with the people. Good. Very much could be. Which is wild. So, yeah, yeah I'll let you take continue it Continue on to that because, like, that's the thing. He wants Bernard to cover the tracks and any, any mm-hmm. connection to Teresa's death because, yeah. you know, what they're going to end up doing here, and we'll see it in a second, everything's going to be pinned on Teresa. Which is interesting because remember when Elsie, she's the one that found the like transmitter, and it was coming from Teresa's like authorization initially, so it made it seem very very plausible that this is what actually happened, um, what we're about to see, right? But yeah, so Bernard destroys the evidence. You could even see him like in this little bag putting like her hairs in and then putting it into that w- weird machine that just kind of incinerated it into dust. Right. Yeah. Really interesting. Um, I remember at first, as they were kind of going back and forth, Bernard is like, I mean, he does say, like, Ford, I'm not going to help you in this in this hell. Like, I'm not going to do that. And Ford basically tells him, like, that's enough. Like, you're going to do what I want you to do. <laughs> that's enough, Bernard. <laughs> like, yeah. he's so calm about it, too, like, because he's got full control. Um, yeah, you know, and one thing I also noticed, too, is a- after Bernard destroys this evidence, kind of like they did with... Peter Abernathy, Dolores' dad, they switched out Clementine. Like, the yeah. the the, uh, the host that plays Clementine, which is, you know, Maeve's partner in the, like, saloon brothel, whatever you want to call right, it. Yeah. Right, So, um, it was interesting that, you know, we get another instance of them changing out the host and them trying to keep the story the same, even though it's a completely different uh, being, honestly. But mm-hmm. she's she, but all they do is program Clementine's story into this host, and all of a sudden, boom, this host is Clementine. And remember when Bernard was kind of recalling back, getting defensive against Ford, he said, you know, the bribe to him was, I will free you of these memories of Teresa. And um, then, you know, it kind of goes on from there, but it, it just goes to show even further that Ford's in control this entire time. Yeah, uh, now back back to like where like this whole the saloon brothel that I call it. Maeve, she's a huge character. She keeps having these like flashbacks and memories, which again, guys, it's strange because they're not supposed to be having these. They're supposed to be wiped every single day. So we start thinking, you know, as of right here in episode eight, like, is she starting to become her own person? Is Maeve, you know, cracking the quote-unquote code, and is she breaking free of Ford's uh, control in a way? You know, having all of those sort of, like, memories and moments. And then she even starts, she she understands her whole existence is a storyline. And they're not supposed to know that. Anytime, remember, because in the very first episode, when that kid went to Dolores, when she was painting by the river, and he says, you're not real. Like, she was programmed to kind of just ignore that and, like, move away from him. Where, like, you know, Maeve here... She understands fully that her existence is a storyline, which is amazing. So we start really, you know, watching it for the first time, believing, like, man, Maeve is, Maeve is cracking the code here. She's going to be the one. Right. And then you kind of have Dolores for this quick minute. Are we there yet, or you want to go mm-hmm. into Maeve a little bit? So Dolores, like, starts 
she was like by i guess sees her body like in the river or something and she hears that voice that says come find me do you remember that oh yeah that was a little bit that's like two more points okay gotcha yeah the one thing two things i want to say before that is Maeve wants to break out, wants her fail-safe removes, and realize she needs allies. Which is, again, now we're starting to think of, like, she's trying to create a whole coup, right? Like, she needs allies, she wants her code rewritten, and her fail-safe removes, so she's able to, like, escape. So, this is another thing showing you that she is her own person, or so we think at this point in time. Because she's starting to really realize what she's made of, what the limitations are, and she wants them removed from herself. Right. And so one of the quotes that she wrote here, it's beautiful because this makes you think this is actually her. She says, time to write my own fucking story. Yeah, that was like, awesome. Yeah, that so it's great. like she's starting to really, if you think that anyways. But then, yes, this is the part where I, right before you say the come find me part about Dolores, where William, mm-hmm. I think this is where William is starting to turn more and more towards Black Hat w- way of life than when he first started at the White Hat because he wanted to leave the boy to die because remember, the boy That's right. was part of yeah. a big group that was coming to like kill them take them prisoner and kill them and you know Dolores has to like, talk him out of like no she's, he's just a boy and that's when she goes to find the water right. and then she sees her body in the water and that's when she hears Arnold's voice in her head that says come find come me come find yep. me yep right exactly that's where we're at. and it was like they were shot by all those arrows from the Native Americans it was like they were called ghost or something what are those ghost things nation. ghost nation ghost nation that's right yep. so when you hear ghost nation those are those Native Americans that have the arrows mm-hmm. and stuff uh, that's in the in the show. So, for sure. Now the next part here, and this is why I think super important because this is where you know your boy Luke Hemsworth, Ashley Stubbs. Yeah, <laughs> he shows Charlotte and Ford. Remember Charlotte? She's like the director of the board, right? right. Like the top girl. <laughs> you know, she shows he uh, he shows Charlotte and Ford Teresa's body, and they find the transmitter near her body. It makes it look like Teresa was extorting info. The problem is that she really was, but like they made it. So that's why Charlotte was so uncomfortable in that position. And, and to your point there, where like he talks about being reinstate, reinstating Bernard, right, yeah. Like she's so uncomfortable because she really, really was. And we hear it later on when she talks to Lee Sizemore about talking about how Teresa did everything on Delos behest. Like she was, she was extorting info. She was extracting the info, and it was true. But, like, I'm not even sure that Ford knew that because, remember, the only people that knew that entirely were Bernard and Elsie. And then I guess Ford really did end up knowing it because he, what ended up happening to Elsie. That's what I yeah, was going exactly. Yeah, that's yeah. a good point, too. So, you know, see, even, even now, just talking about it, I you actually, start, you start yeah, realizing that was really some good. things. It's crazy. Because I thought about even throwing the great debate card, but yeah. then I was like, I don't want to spoil anything. Yeah. So, so, so really, like, they, he, they played right into Ford's hands again. Always. Right? It, it's crazy. So... Um, if you yeah. don't mind, I just want do to it. read that quick quote. Do it. That's your I'm favorite. just such a fan of that quote. Yeah, I do love it. it. So, like, um, you know, they're they're looking at, you know, basically talking about, like, the body and stuff. And um, Ford, so Charlotte says, she was loyal and careful. All of these uh, were extremely unlike her. She seemed most concerned with the new narrative. She felt strongly that it would be best to delay it. Ford said, that certainly helps. Explain Clementine. The host we retired, it seems yesterday's demonstration was a hoax designed by Miss Cullen. I examined the code. It had been altered, a clumsy set of fingerprints left by one of the QA technicians. When you find a cancer in an organization, you must cut it out before it can spread. To that end, the expansive access and oversight granted to QA will need 
to be reined into a new, more principled team that can install it. And then he says, she said, Ashley steps in and says, that's going to leave us shorthanded. That's when he says, oh, well, I can automate most of the park safety protocols, Mr. Stubbs. And Charlotte says, how efficient are you? And he says, it's a bit of work, but with Bernard's help, I should be able to do it. He will be reinstated as head of behavior now that Teresa's manipulations have come to light. And Charlotte says, of course, with my apologies. Yep, he, he played her. He played her like a fiddle. So great. Then we get into what Maeve, Sylvester, and Felix. You want to take away there? Yeah, so, uh, you know, I'm a big Maeve. <laughs> I love Maeve. Maeve person. Yeah, she's, she's awesome. Um, but so uh, she basically tells uh, them that she has learned kind of what she needs to know. And she asks them, like, who Arnold is. Um, Maeve tells them that, uh, tells to Felix that he needs to take her upstairs um, during a shift change that would be their most open window uh, to change her attributes because remember she wants to be more intellectual well they've already changed her attributes they want to they want to take her apart her fail safe they want to remove her fail safe so she can break out right exactly so the attributes have already been I've already been adjusted in the past episodes yeah I was just recapping she, yeah. that because she's is this the part where she needs a new body is what's going on. So she needs to have that the part where if she tries because if she tries to escape right now where she's at, there's an explosive device that would detonate yeah, and, and kill her. So they need to get they yeah. need to remove that failsafe. Yeah. So yeah. that's what they're gonna yeah. do because basically all the agents are still in control of her. If she tried to break out, right. she would explode. Right. So uh, but then you go to the man in black uh With Big Teddy. Yeah, yeah. Teddy. and they come across right? Angela and this is yeah. the thing in parentheses that I wrote. If you guys remember Angela was the first host that William ever met when he first entered Westworld. Remember, she's the one that took him up the stairs and was right. asking him all those personal questions, tried to undo his shirt and stuff, and gave him all the hat. That. Yeah, yeah, gave him the hat. Like that was her, and now she's there, like beaten and bloody, and and all of that. So it's just interesting that um, she's she's there, and then this kind of gives you an idea about uh, the different timelines. Because what the Man in Black says is, "I thought they retired you." I guess Ford doesn't like to waste a pretty face. Yeah, that you know, like awesome. you know, so you that obviously know that th- there's different timelines that you know keep, we keep getting shown the evidence along the way. Um, you know, and she like said, you know, why it's men? They killed everyone, and Teddy was like, well, yeah, that's yeah. why it's way, right? So then we got what that bullhorned monster. Yeah, what was is... that, dude? Like it literally had like the bullhorns like, pointed wild. to the center of it. It was interesting. Like, yeah, it... like why it's men look like devilish things, like something you would see in Skyrim or yeah. some shit. And it's like I feel like Wyatt's men. Like he's got, you know, he's got those type of creatures, but he's also got regular like soldiers with him too. Like yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. Remember, like, Teddy shoots it. I counted. Teddy shot it seven times. <laughs> just did nothing. Flinch at all. Like, nothing at all. Which um, is interesting when they finally got it down with like the rope around its neck and then the the axe and the, yeah, it was like a bone axe too. Like they just yeah, it was like cool. a bone axe. Yeah, like he like bone. swung at Teddy and missed, and then he like hit it somehow. Yeah. Um, I, the, my exact words like the bullhorn monster fucks up Teddy and Men in Black until finally they get the best of it because it was yeah, that's it was basically what happened. Destroying it, man. That's exactly what happened. And then another another really important thing happens here is Teddy remembers who the Man in Black is. Right. So now he starts having flashback memories, like what's going on in this park. But keep in mind, while all these crazy like people, all these hosts are remembering when they're not supposed to be, what's also happening at the same time? 
there's a new narrative being written. Yeah. So it's crazy. And remember what triggered that. So he like grabbed the rope around the creature's neck and was dragging him. And what was going on was Teddy was remembering the flashback of when he was dragging Dolores to the barn. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, and, and then uh, they, uh, the creature they decapitated it, right? Well, did that not even fully. Like they like they, they got into a thing and then partially, almost like nearly headless Nick in Harry Potter. Like yeah, <laughs> like it wasn't fully decapitated. Like the, the head wasn't rolling, you know, like Ned Stark. It reminded <laughs> yeah, like it reminded me of when John was like hacking that guy's head off. But uh, was it John or Rob that was, hacked that it guy's was, head off? Uh, Theon. It was Theon. Theon. With that's Sir right. Yeah. And he had to do it, Where like, it many times. Like, yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Theon. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, and then, you know, they finally get the best of it with that bone axe. And the next thing I have here, you know, Felix is shutting Maeve down. And Sylvester wants to keep her that way. Because, keep in mind, like, there's almost like a power struggle in between them. And this is the... So, if we talk about, Josh, what problems do you have with Westworld? Like, what do you not like so far? This is the this is the main thing. And I brought it up last week. It's just not... I, I can't get behind the fact of being realistic that that Felix goes along with everything Maeve says without barely any sort of pushback. Like, not... Yeah. Like, it's, she's like, he's like, she says, do it. He says... He gives, like, a weird look. Like, he doesn't want to, but he does it right away. Like, there's no number. Like, like don't do it. <laughs> I didn't do it There's yet. no... There's no... He was already singing in his head. There's... Like, <laughs> yeah. it, it's true, though. I think he has, like, like some romantic feelings towards yeah, this. Yeah, he's this, got the hots uh, for her. But, but the fact is, is, like, even if you if you like somebody, you still don't go along with everything they do just like that. And that's why I don't like about it. <laughs> he saw that, how hot she was. And he was like, sure, man. You know, <laughs> whatever you want. Felix you is Jorah Mormont is who Felix is. Probably. It could, <laughs> yeah. could turn out to be that way. I wouldn't be surprised. But, yeah, you know, Sylvester wants to keep her shut down. Because Sylvester's, like, actually, you know, more like... I mean, still, it's still not very realistic. Because I would have told somebody at that point in time, yo, dude, he's doing this shit. Like, shut it down. I don't want any part of it. I won't... You know, he wants to save himself, you know. And then, unfortunately... You know uh, what it reminds me of? Not that? to interrupt you. Um, it's not to the point of, like, oh, he's head over the heels for her. But I do think it's, like, that guy in the club where a girl... Like, he offers a girl a shot, and then she keeps wanting more shots just to use that guy, and then he keeps oh, yeah. doing oh, 100%. it. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Great analogy. I agree with you. Uh, next thing I got uh, is, is your, your guy, Lee Sizemore. Oh, we go, Lee, we go in my there. boy. He's, yeah. work, he's working on that, like, bad guy who's, like, eating, like, the, the leg. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and it's funny because he thinks he's doing something super important. You know, and Charlotte comes in and kind of really tells him how it really is. Like he's basically just doing busy work. That's really what it is. And um, so I I won't give it away. I've seen a little bit of season two, not much, just a little bit more. So pay attention to that because remember he says, uh, "Say it again like it's moist." And uh, pay yeah, attention like more, to that. Yeah, because mm-hmm. he's we say he's like say it a little bit more sensual. Like yeah, it was sensual, weird. Like yeah, you know. So, but he's thinking he's doing this real big project for Ford. Like oh, I'm building this crazy villain, and Charlotte's mm-hmm. like, that's not why. It, like you're doing busy work while Ford's yeah, finishing his exactly. show. Basically, he's like he's trying to keep you busy, get get you out of his way. Is really what it comes down to, right? Yeah. You know, and then you know, um, she offers Lee an opportunity. We don't know what the opportunity is right at that point in time. But she thinks he's ready for... I'm, almost it's like, is he going to be taking the role of what Teresa was before she died? You know, Charlotte needs somebody new now to, to kind of help push the board's um, directive or narrative, right? So Right. Then, uh, yeah, we get back to, to uh, Felix and Sylvester and Maeve. And, yeah, they, they did tinker with Maeve's core code. And now the biggest thing we took from here, because what she do? She sliced 
um, Sylvester right in the neck. Yeah. Why is that important? This entire time, guys, hosts are not able to hurt real-life humans. They're not able to. Yeah. Until right now. Maeve is now able to hurt real-life humans in the real world. Not even just in Westworld. In the real world. Yeah. So, big and moment. Still, this is when she's also having, like, those memories of her daughter still that were uploaded. Yeah. Of the man in black. Um, and the man in black in this new memory uh, is, like, stabbing her through the stomach at this point. Yeah. Um, to yeah. that point, too. It was funny, too. Like, I just... I wrote this down. I didn't have the exact quote. I'm hoping you do if you don't. It's not... It's, it's not important to the storyline, so I get it if you didn't. But what did what did the man in black say? He's like, you're the talking to Tay. He's like, you're the worst of them. You're a glorified pimp. <laughs> like, yeah, dude, that, was, that was really funny. One um, thing I did love though is like now that her attributes have been changed, you can see when she's going back into it, she's controlling the narrative. Like at one point, she goes up to the sheriffs and goes, you know, they have their guns cocked and loaded, and she's like, sheriffs are god fearing men. And they put him down in front of her. Well, yeah, that, that hasn't happened yet. But, yeah, 100% what comes up later on in, in episode 9. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's episode 9. But um, that's that's a really big part that I've got yeah. a lot to say about that. So I'll, I'll save it for them. So let's finish up here with Spoiler episode alert. 8. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the man in black tells Teddy a story about his family, his wife and daughter. You know, and, and about how, like, uh, his, his wife ended up um, accidentally, like, overdosing on pills, took a bath and drowned. And, you know in his mind it was an accident but then his daughter tells him like no like we like she we lived our entire lives in fear of you in terror like you were like the worst dad ever like if you stack up all your good deeds like basically they don't amount to shit because you know of who you really are as a person so that's exactly why you know the man in black is who he is today because he put so much stock and thought and time into this fake world that you know he was never really present in the real world for the people who mattered most and you know especially when we find out later on in this episode not this episode but at least this podcast episode of who the man in black is it makes complete sense because of you know the the picture that we come mm-hmm. across like you know later earlier on so i think it is though no because i'm in the right spot uh she like goes back to westworld for a very small time because those yeah. people draw quick draws on each other not yet it's, it's literally the next part i have it right here but what yeah, part it's, no it's, it's, it's an episode it's, it's season one episode nine she controls her own narrative she says that they do it she has the sheriff call off the defending the city makes the marshals shoot each other yeah that's episode nine dude mm, i don't know maybe i watched it out of order or something <laughs> yeah i jumped but, back like dolores in between <laughs> timelines maybe. Uh, but yeah that but that's what i was saying, but then but. the men in black does tell the story about how he figured out kind of who he is as a person in terms of killing Maeve and Maeve's daughter and he even said like you know I killed her and her daughter just to see what I felt and then that's when Teddy calls him an animal and and the man in black says an animal would have felt something I felt nothing and he continues to talk about you know what that the events that transpired there about killing her and the daughter and how she just wouldn't die and then his next quote was really important to me here he says she was alive truly alive if only for a moment and that's when the maze revealed itself to me. So it's almost like this this host Maeve has had a propensity to show lifelike qualities even thirty even like long long ago in her other narratives. Remember these hosts are kind of reused for different um, mm-hmm. stories along the way, you know. So that was really important there. And then <laughs> that's that's the, the next big quote before we close out of uh, season eight. Or, I'm sorry, season one, episode eight. 
is when the man in black tells Teddy, there's a deeper game here, Teddy. Arnold's game. And that game cuts deep. So this this is him thinking like there's what like there's subliminal levels and that Arnold has something else in store other that's other than what Ford has in mind. So what we're kind of seeing here in episode eight, especially with like this Arnold character that we don't know terribly too much about right now, it's almost like a power struggle between Robert and Arnold because what we know so far is they are both partners and that Arnold died. But, you know, Robert has his narrative, and then, like, with the Man in Black saying, and it, it comes out to light later on, Arnold has his own ideas of what he's trying to do as well, and it's almost like they're battling each other even between life and death. So, weird stuff. And then, to close out episode 8, Angela stabs Teddy and says, You've been gone a long time, Teddy. It's time you came back into the fold. Wyatt will need you soon. So now we know for sure we're in Robert's new narrative. Yeah. And then that's when season one, episode nine begins. And Bernard questions Maeve, but doesn't realize that Maeve is fully aware at this point, right? So he he's basically when he starts getting weird vibes, and we see it because she looks at him while he's not like paying attention to her, and he's just on the behavior tablet. And then when she looks back, he looks back up at her. She like pretends to kind of be in that weird trance state that they are when the. Um, real life people bring them out even though we know Bernard's a host but you know then she starts messing with him a little bit and he tells her to go into analysis and like she she's doing her whole her own thing and what's the crazy part about this Maeve can control can control Bernard Maeve, Maeve tells Bernard to stop and like he does freeze all motor it's function crazy yeah. so Bernard was supposed to be like this probably the most iconic host that has the most human-like qualities and now he doesn't even really like he thinks he's in control of Maeve because they helped to make her and she's now in control of him so that was a big crazy twist there and she tells him she says Bernie if you go looking for the truth yeah get the whole thing it's like a good fuck half is worse than none at all that's a great quote that's actually had that that quote too I did have one more quote before that because I do think it's important to the premise of the story of about Maeve who's talking to Bernard and she's like, I know I could make you forget this interaction, but I'm not going to do that. Like that's what they would do to us. And we're stronger than them talking about them being hosts, being stronger and better than humans because we're pieces of shit that we're doing this to these hosts this entire <laughs> yeah. time. Right. Yeah. Well, so, if you're Ford, you're not, <laughs> yeah, you're just doing what you were planning on. Yeah. Which is crazy, right? To think about. And then we get into... We're going into my boy You here. are, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I got... Uh, the real Wolverine. <laughs> yeah. I got William, you know, telling Logan that he wants to get Dolores out of Westworld. Um, you know, like because they're kind of, what, his captive, right? They're both kind of tied up at this point in time. And uh, he's got, like, the weird handkerchief in his mouth. And Logan's just kind of a freak, man. He takes the handkerchief out of William's mouth, wipes his own mouth with it. Like, he's just a weird dude, man. I love it. You but, care if I do this scene real yeah, quick? Yeah, man. I love it, man. Because this is my boy. Do it. it. Absolutely, bro. So, you know, just like you were saying, there, he's saying, like, he wants to take Dolores home. Like, it, just <laughs> like you were saying, like, he's Logan's the only one that gets this is a mm-hmm. game. That's like taking home a fucking souvenir and like taking him, home a lion from the zoo. Yeah. <laughs> like, and keep in mind, you know, William's engaged. Yes. Remember? To Logan's That's even sister. worse. To yeah. Logan's sister. <laughs> and William goes, Are you kidding? You want to take her home. This place really did a number on me when I first came here, but you really are circling this old sinkhole. 
What do you want to do? Smuggle her out in your fucking luggage? <laughs> Dolores bumps in in a minute and goes, Out? You both keep assuming that I want out. Whatever that is, is such a wonderful place out there. Then why are you all coming to get, uh, climbing, claiming to get in here? Clamoring to Clamoring get in here. Clamoring to get in here. Can't yeah. read my mind. Logan, ooh, you are a little screwy, aren't you? It's kind of hot. I get why you would go for that. And that's when William started getting pissed. And he's like, it's not about me. It's about doing what's right. I'm going to help you, Billy. Just not in the way you would want. And this is when you have that crazy moment when he pulls out the knife. Um, and then you have, for a minute, it cuts into Ford and Bernard for just a second there. Yeah. Because it kind of exits out for a minute before we come back. Are you talking about where like he asks uh, Ford if he's ever done something like this before? Yeah, like and that he part... picks up Dolores out of the chair. Remember that? So yeah. the one that's this is the part that I had before that. Now we got that part where you were talking about with Maeve. Mm-hmm. So... Maeve tells Lee, like I'm sorry, Felix. You know, it's time now. It's time to recruit my army. Yeah. And so she goes into Westworld and back into her like saloon brothel, right? And now Maeve controls her own narrative. Whatever she says, they do. The bar. She first tested it on the bartender. He he goes, hey, you know, your tab is so like, uh, you know, you keep drinking here, you're not ever gonna be able to pay your tab back. Something along those lines, and she's like, no, actually, Maeve's tab was in perfect standing. Actually, it was so good that you offered her a token of your appreciation. And then the bartender is like, you know what? Let me get you a top shelf shot, double shot on me. Like, gotcha. you know, so she's controlling, like, like she's starting to see like what she says they're doing. Gotcha. And then that's when like Hector Escaton and the Armistice they come back into town underneath the hoods there, and like they start like shooting up the town. But like instead of them having people shooting back like the sheriff, they all get out there to start doing it. Maeve goes out there and she talks to the uh, sheriff. And that do you have that quote? What she says to the sheriff? Yeah, yeah. we kind of skipped just a minute, which this isn't important, but it had Bernard and Clementine. Clementine was what I was talking about. Then it cuts back to where Logan was with Dolores. And that's when he handed her to the soldier, like she, he was going to let her just be raped by the soldier. And that's when he cut her open, and Logan kept saying, look, you have to look. And then that's um, when he was cutting her open. because well, That's the crazy here. thing, too. Because Ford met with Bernard in the lab about the disposed hosts. I don't know if you remember that. But um, Bernard was telling Ford about his code that was written by Arnold was what happened. So we skipped that for just a minute. And that's when it had Clementine that appeared with the revolver. A big moment too is with um, with the uh, what's it called? With the, when he stabbed her open and like you could see that it was all machine. Yeah, that was a big where, moment because yeah. uh, that's that's where we have another clue to the timeline. Because remember when the man in black told Teddy back in episode five, "It's not my fault you're suffering. You used to be beautiful." When this place started, I opened one of you up once in a million little perfect pieces. Yeah, that's what they saw, and then that change they, they they changed you. They made you the sad, real mess, flesh and bone, just like us. Yeah, they said it would improve the park experience. So. We can. This is like the biggest clue that we've had so far about what the timeline difference is. Is because Logan cut into Dolores, pulled open the flap of skin, and it was all like like machines and pistons moving up and down. Right. So that was a big big moment there. And that's what I was gonna say there was because then you have Bernard's voice that said remember, and that's when Logan was like, "You fucking bitch! You're not different. You're fucking broken." And that's when Dolores cut him. And they ran away, but it all played back into 
right before when Ford was with Bernard and Clementine talking about these different things, and Bernard was saying, uh, yeah. you know, he was talking to Ford about the memories of his son and stuff, and he was just saying, those are just memories, basically, I uploaded there. Um, I, so, I see what you're saying, yeah. So yeah. what I might have done, I, actually, I might have actually put my, my pages out of order here. Because there's a couple things here that might have been the end of the season eight, where you might have been right about like her controlling the narrative and like shooting the marshals and stuff. Mm-hmm. Because there's a couple other points here that if we didn't tackle in episode eight, I want to just shoot off real quick here about because I think this is this is before. I think I might have put mine in the wrong um, area because uh, Bernard asked Ford at one point, "Have you ever maybe hurt like someone this, like, hurt someone like this before?" And Ford tells him, "No, Bernard, of course not." But then he has that memory before he wipes. Uh, before right. four ups him up, and that's it's Elsie. Right. Yeah. We find out that's what here. Bernard. Yeah, that's where th- this is. <laughs> he, yeah, he does to, to Elsie, and then he tells he he erases Bernard's memory and says, "Best not to dwell on these troubled memories; otherwise, you might be drawn back into them. You might lose yourself in them, as some of your fellow hosts have every now and then." And that that's what Ford's saying to Bernard as we fade back into Dolores with William, which is another clue that it's a past time. And so yes, I was I. This stuff here, you were right about Maeve's controlling the narrative was in episode eight. I had my pages out of order there. So there, that part, this one I'm talking about right here, this this last maybe two minutes that I've been going on, is still episode eight instead of going into nine there. We've kind of backtracked a little bit. But there's two more big things that are huge that in episode eight, especially for Ashley Stubbs, he knew, he knew about Bernard and Teresa. Remember, he, he brings Bernard to the side and is like, listen, I know this is probably a tough day for you. Like, you know, I, I know you guys are very, very discreet, but it's my job to know these things. Um, talking about Bernard and Teresa's relationship. But remember, Ford erased his memory, so he doesn't really remember who Teresa is. He, he Remember, Ford tells him, you remember Teresa with the fondness of a good colleague. And that's about it. But is this the part where why what happened to Ashley Stubbs happens later on is because... He knew about Teresa and Bernard's relationship, and he was a loose end. And is that right. why what happened to him? And what is what happened? That was my question here, because uh, that was something that you know, because I, I guess I had it out of order. I wanted to go at least back to there. Um, no, you're good. You were doing great. I just wanted yeah. to make sure you got that in. So for sure, because it foreshadowed. It did for sure. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And that's it. Also, like I said, when we talk about the different timelines, the one where we talk about. Yeah, we're, we're, we're back with William and Dolores there before Logan and them find them. That's you that's fucking bitch. Of, yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> You're fucking broken. Even, even before that, Dolores sees a full town, uh, and it's but it's a mirage. And then we see Angela quickly. We see like because like, we see like Dolores kind of losing it in that weird timeline. And then remember that little girl who was like El Lazo's daughter. She goes up to Dolores and says, "Did you find what you were looking for, Dolores?" Yeah. <laughs> you know, and she sees everyone getting shot. Then she puts the gun to her own head, and that's the foreshadow. Remember, she right. sees everyone getting shot like in that little and it's actually like called Escalante is the name of the town. And let's be um, real here. Like Logan isn't being a dick. He's trying to get William to realize. He's kind of being a dick. <laughs> yeah, okay, so yes, he is being a dick, but in yes. his own way, he's really trying to get him to realize because in his mind, Dolores isn't a real person. Like in his mind, he can't he doesn't think she feels pain and stuff. Like he just looks at her like a machine. So he's trying to 
basically shake him almost like if you had a parent where yeah. you've been on a video game all day and you're like 10 years old or five years well, old like the, and they like pull the, the boogie, boogeyman in the closet you open up the light turn the pull the clothes out and there's, exactly. oh, look, there's nothing here it's not real yeah. it's not real right and so again because of my blunder this is actually this is i know i'm i was wrong here because now i have logan showing up with soldiers now and taking william dolores captive so i had my pages in the wrong area so you're definitely right about the uh Maeve controlling our narrative in, in episode eight and you know the 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 couple foreshadows that we've had but remember when charlotte brings lee to the cold storage again this is still episode eight Mm -hmm. and wants him to give peter abernathy a semblance of personality and get him out of the park this is important this is super important especially when we talk about what happens in episode 10 because uh remember when lee goes down to get like to the cold storage in episode 10 later on right so that was really really big moment there so that's just those those things i accidentally skipped in episode eight because i had my notes out of order there but now to kind of get back to where we were in episode nine before you know since i'd be backtracked there a little bit and this is with mave and hector is this where we're at uh where we're at now is uh where right after where logan says i'm gonna help you billy just on the way you want it goes back to bernard with ford with, with, okay, uh, so we backtracked a little. Yeah, Got so it. with mm-hmm. with Bernard and Ford, remember Ford's like, you broke into my office, and then Bernard's like, with due respect, sir, you broke into my mind. Right. And then he, like, he, um, Bernard pulls a gun, and then that's when uh, Ford tells him, you're not, you're allowed to hold that, but not use it. And then Bernard tells him back, it's not for me, and gives the gun to Clementine because he programmed Clementine to, yeah. yeah, to have it. So if they're like, you know, if he, she only responds to Bernard. Well, so we think at this point, Don. So what we she think. Said. Yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. And so Bernard demands access to see what Arnold had intended for him because he wants to know the time where he really first met Arnold. Remember Arnold being Ford's partner, and so. And, you know, Ford tries to talk Bernard off. It's like, hey, listen, you could lose yourself. Like, you know, you could lose your mind going through past memories. Like, we're doing this. And he's like, I don't give a shit. Like, we're doing it. Like, we're going all the way through. Let's talk about how intellectual this is just for a minute. Bernard, at this point, before we get into a spoiler, and I'll let you take it from there, for what he does with Clementine. Mm. How smart Mm -hmm. was that Mm -hmm. of Bernard for you to emotionally convince yourself, I'm not real. This guy runs me. Yep. So I have another plan to beat him, which is awesome. Until so it's still not enough. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's it's so still awesome. There. Yeah. But the only thing I had to say here is this is where you start running through Bernard's memories, and this is the remember we had that question about what's up with Bernard's wife, that weird like weird hologram FaceTime thing that he did with her. If you guys remember, at this point in time, he gets that memory of him talking to his own wife, and. It shows the wife who it is, but then it does a weird, like, static thing, and you see Ford's face very, very, very fast, and then Ford's voice, then it goes back to, like, what he imagined his wife was. So, what I think is his wife was Ford the whole time, and he was having those conversations with Ford, but seeing who Ford wanted him to, wanted him to see, to give him that extra backstory of, of who he was, and that cornerstone of, you know, remember what he says about, you know, uh, grief and suffering, and how trauma... Can really build who you are so that's a very interesting perspective yeah because the only uh, reason i said because you could see it if you if you look on this episode where her face is during him going back to his memories it does a weird static sh- static shift on the thing and you see ford's face for a quick half second and his voice comes out and then it goes back to her so i think that was their clue to us that like it was ford the whole time that was his quote-unquote wife so 
Very interesting. Weird stuff, man. Yeah, very weird. I'm not going to throw a great debate card because I don't have anything to back my points with facts because we're not there yet. But it's a very... Yeah, you'll, you're you going to find out very soon everything's played exactly according to plan yeah. with Dr. Robert Ford. And it's funny because then he comes out of there and has that weird moment where he realizes what happened to to Elsie or whatever and then he says what he said what's his like quote is like after all a little trauma can be illuminating <laughs> right then we go back to Logan with the William and his sister's picture and this is the picture that Peter Abernathy found in episode one which is another clue to the timeline exactly. difference right I remember this is when he was showing it to him and he's like remember you remember her, her? <laughs> you remember her like imagine that too like think of it as like you'd be freaking out if you're uh, Logan, because not to mention, like, think about the point. Like, you know, he was probably like planned to be at their wedding and all this shit. And he's like, you know, this is my sister. Like, this is the real world. You're like going fucking crazy, stuck in this damn thing. Almost like someone that's addicted to video games that can't fucking get off of it. So the parent is like, we got to get this person help. Like, that's literally what Logan is thinking here. Like, he needs fucking help at this point. Yeah. I, I'm not sure because like you know he could have just stopped it. They could have left Westworld. I just I think what he more wanted to do is not so much get William help, more along the lines of dude, realize what this is. Like just realize yeah. that like dude like I'm trying to show you, and that's when he does all he cuts into Dolores and pulls up like her flap of skin, and you know the dude like this is what it is. Like See, no matter I what think, you think, I think deep down Logan's a good guy. Like I think he just wanted to push William's barriers, almost like someone that's no. been sheltered their whole life. Remember, he was like, I can't wait to see that guy. I don't think he's a good guy at all. I think he's a fantastic guy. I think he's the best guy in this whole series. (laughs) Just fucking kidding. But then after that moment that we were talking about, that I drew the comparison to where the Man in Black was talking about open up the pieces, you know, know, that we got back in episode five, um, Dolores makes a comment about, like, Arnold, and Logan says, this is is my big Logan quote. You'll be proud of me because I I don't think Logan's that important storyline-wise yet. But I do appreciate for him being the one person that actually knows what Westworld is. But this was a huge quote by Logan. He says, I don't know who the fuck this Arnold is, but your world was built for me and people like me, not for you. And then Dolores responds, then someone's got to burn it clean. Big moment for what's about to happen and also what the whole narrative is for this Wyatt villain as well. So big stuff. And then I've got Maeve ambushing Hector while he's peeing. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, like, that's you know. That's badass. Uh, he, he, like, she actually tells him exactly what's about to happen. You know, you, you, your men are about to kill each other. Uh, yeah, they, that, that's what's going to... She's like, he goes, well, you've got quite the imagination. And then she tells him by sequence, like, this person's going to pull his gun on this person. This person's going to shoot. It's going to be left down to you and Armistice, and you're going to kill it. She's going to call you a damn fool, and you're going to kill each other. Yeah. Right? And so he thinks she's crazy, and as they're walking through... Like, that's exactly what happens. Those two cronies kind of shoot each other. Then Armistice sees Hector with Maeve, and she's like, you damn fool. Then she's about to shoot at Hector, and then Maeve pulls a trigger and shoots her. And, um, yeah, this is pretty cool here. This is one of my favorite quotes probably in the entire series so far. Again, only on season one. But she tells Hector, she goes, I want you to break into hell with me and rob the gods blind. That's so, so awesome. That's, That's one of my so favorite badass. quotes ever. 
so, so good. And then she, you know, she gives, she opens a safe combo. Hector opens a safe, and as we all expected the whole entire time, I think we predicted this back. You know, was it uh, two weeks ago or a week ago, depending on what episode it was where you mm-hmm. first saw the safe? Excuse me. That we thought, I thought it was empty, and like I think you had the same thoughts. So, and it was, it was empty the whole time. I and love this quote here too. She says because it shows how in control she is. She yeah. says she looks at Hector and says, "I could simply change you." But that's not my way. I want you to see exactly what the gods have in store for you. Because when you do, you won't have the faintest on what to do with yourself. And I do. And then, of course, he opens the safe and she says, It's always been empty. Like everything in this world. I died with my eyes open so the masters who pull our strings, our lives, our memories, our deaths, our games to them. But I've been to hell and I know their tricks. Like, that's so badass. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah. Hector remembers. He has a, a brief memory, and he says, I've been here before. We've yeah. been here before. And she says, you can just kill me, and mm-hmm. we'll live the same life over, but the safe would still be empty. And Hector says, I'll go. <laughs> so badass. <laughs> For sure. And then what she say? She like this is this is actually another one that's a pretty good this quote by Maeve too. Pretty fucked up moment too. Yeah, I'll, yeah. So <laughs> Maeve tells Hector because he's like you know he basically asks like you know what do we do and how do we get to hell and Maeve Maeve says getting to hell is easy, the rest is where it gets hard. Then she sets the town on fire and they burn while fucking. That's exactly what happens. So, like, literally fuck their way to hell. Yeah, they are literally fucking on top of the safe, and they're watching the tent burn around them, getting consumed by the fire, and they couldn't care less in the world. <laughs> Wild Imagine that. Could you even... That's messed up, dude. That's sick. Skin burns as you're moving in the club. <laughs> that's just messed up, man. That's... She's fucking crazy. Yeah, but dude, she's also like a badass at the same yeah, time. And she is a badass. I love that team up. Maeve and Hector's a perfect team up of like they if really you want are. if you want a badass, like she's the brains and he's the brawn. He gets the shit done. She tells it's him that what to Bonnie do. It's that Bonnie and Clyde, hundred yeah. percent. Which kind of sucks because like you kind of get the feeling that like Armistice and Hector are meant to be the Bonnie and Clyde, and Maeve yeah. kind of just takes over. <laughs> Armistice and, gets the shit under the stick entire sure. shit in it. Yeah. Her tattoo didn't even mean it, shit. Basically, nothing. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, really, Armistice got shit on <laughs> mm-hmm. but then uh I, we get that little flashback to like logan and billy real quick and they have that like weird bonding moment well we oh think, i we, it, we think it's a bonding moment you want, I, I know that's your guy so i'll let you get into it well remember they like hug each other it kind of well, logan me. hugs william william is kind of like <laughs> is almost like he like he's given up a little bit he feels like broken because Delo- like he couldn't save dolores or like they don't know where dolores is and she ran off and malice in the chalice like, talking about logan baby good oh, stuff goodness. oh man don't it's worry not i'm really not a malice in the chalice i must say like that's not malice in the chalice. Uh, not the card i just meant to you know take a drink <laughs> drinky up in here but anyways it, it reminded me of like say you're in sports or something and you get in a conflict with somebody but you're still pissed at that other person, but the other guy is like, I'm sorry for what I did, kind of thing. But secretly, you're like just dealing with it to get through the game, but Logan tells him, and I love what he tells him, because he's such a sick fuck, like, (laughs) didn't care, like, thinks he's the right way all the time. This park seduces everyone. You were just a little more enthusiastic than most. Billy, I get it. You wanted to be here, I get it. And hey... 
Be the hero. Yeah. Yeah, be the hero. And what happens here stays here. This place has been some real bonding shit. We're going to be brothers, Billy. I'm really glad we are. I'm glad we are. Like, holy shit, dude. That's fucking great. I'm really glad, man. That was a great time. William's, like, almost crying this entire time. Like, his eyes are, like, red, and he's, like, looking down at the ground, just desolate. Like... He's like, I'm, I'm good, man. Like, don't worry. I'm proud of you. I'm proud you broke out of your shell and fell for another woman. You needed to. You've been sheltered your whole life, you sick fuck. <laughs> Logan's the man, dude. I love Logan. Yeah. Then we go to where Angela, she wakes up Teddy, and him and the man in black are tied up. And they're kind of having this conversation where... Teddy doesn't know where to find Wyatt or like what's going on here. And Angela, what what she say? She says you'll find him where you saw him last. And we start seeing that weird. We keep we keep seeing that same like flashback over and over again of them shooting all those people in the streets of Escalante, right? Because that's right. where he was is Escalante, yeah. right? Um, and Angela yeah. is kind of like telling him that he'll kill again, right? Like she's yeah, you're gonna be needed like in the future. Like basically saying you're gonna go back to Wyatt's team. Which it's funny because of what we find out, you know, at the end of this episode. Uh, you know, you think because remember, remember what uh, Robert Ford a couple episodes back in one of our previous podcast episodes when he was talking to Teddy and giving him a new narrative and giving him a part of it. He's like, you, you, you do remember Wyatt, right? He's like, yeah, you know, if you look in the face of pure evil, you're you're not liable to forget. So it's just weird that like from this whole entire time of when we find out why it's true you know who Wyatt is and what that is all about he doesn't think he's gonna help <laughs> Wyatt do these bad things until he realizes the person he's trying to save Wyatt from it's it's funny it's a crazy full circle like <laughs> do you think Angela realizes she's just a pawn in the game yeah 100% yeah I was yeah. gonna say the same thing too that's what I thought and that, that's up to the point she goes what she says she says you're not ready maybe in the next life and yeah. she stabs Teddy and kills him knocks the man in black out and that's where you have that really cool kind of moment where like Teddy's body's there with the knife plunged out of his chest and the man in black has like that rope around his neck and there's a horse there the rope's like tied around the tree to where if the horse like runs he, the man in black is going to be like hung from that tree right and think of how full circle this is because the man in black is next to Angela again man in black which we'll find out later no spoilers remember these timelines here right but he, they've been around each other for like a minute right you know but you know then at this moment too the man in black asks about the maze and says the city swallowed by sand and the maze had taken um he said he just says the city swallowed by sand basically where is it right and angela tells him again the maze isn't meant for you, but mm -hmm. if you like games so much, why don't you try one of ours? And she knocks him out. Right, so this is like the, the second person that's told the man in black that the maze isn't meant for you, to him specifically. The first one was El Lazo's daughter, Lawrence's daughter. She tells him back there in that in that one city that the maze isn't meant for you. Remember he shot that Alazo's wife in the head and like killed all right. of his cousins and stuff? <laughs> She's the first person to tell the man in black the maze isn't meant for you. Now Angela is the second person to say, the maze isn't meant for you. <laughs> There's two more people who will say this sentence to the man in black before the time this, se this season's over, which is a huge moment and reason because this entire time, it wasn't a joke. The maze really wasn't meant for you. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. So, 
Yeah, but then we get like that point I was talking about with the horse and the, and the rope and, and the man in black. And, you know, the, the horse ends up running just as he's able to get to that knife. And when he gets strangled up in the air, he can he cut himself down. And then that's when our girl Charlotte appears and, and tells the man in black that she wants to vote for it out and wants it to be unanimous. And this is what I was talking about. We have this kind of like Steve Jobs work going on here with Apple because, you know, Steve Jobs created Apple and everything that went with it. And then his own board voted him out. Very, yeah. very similar to what they're trying to do now. And because we know, you know, we obviously you guys have probably assumed of who the man in black is by this point in time. Obviously, we knew he was someone important, but well, f- now we know for sure. Later, well, the thing is, like, now we know for sure that he's at least you know, at least a board member because at least a board member, because yeah. she tells him we don't want she wants the vote to be unanimous. And if you're a board member, you're obviously important. And you obviously got a lot of money at the very least. And so. here's a here's the thing too. Remember, Charlotte goes, "Don't you have better things to do, like play golf or something?" Don't you think these board members that are in the real world that aren't going to Westworld, they think he's some kind of freak? Because, like, he spends his time Probably. there every day. You're spending, what, 140000 a day or something like that? 40000 What was it? You knew the number. 40000 a day. 40000 40, a day. 40000 a day. And, like, he's... Like he's obviously very powerful, right? But like, he's, and I doubt he's spending forty thousand dollars a day because oh, he's yeah. the biggest investor. He's a biggest investor. But you're like, it's kind of like those people that live their whole lives in the Sims. Malice in the Chalice. Malice in the Chalice. Fuck yeah! Just okay. to tell you a quick story. Yeah. So there is a guy that got so addicted to playing the Sims. What the Sims is, guys, I'm sure you all know, it's that PC game where you can build like your real life. Like you know, you get a wife and children, or. You know, kids can go to school. You know what The Sims mm-hmm. is, right? That big PC game. There was a guy that spent it in Bitcoin, like a million dollars online, to buy a house that no one else could have in The Sims. And he played it so much, like he was addicted to this game. So the point with this malice and the chalice is, these board members are looking at the man in black like wow like you're a freak like you don't want to live in the real world so you want to live all your time in this fake ass world hey because what's he say like the maze is all that matters now like yeah. literally that's with the gods yeah. of the underworld because it is There's it's no the gods. gods like you're the you're the i guess you're the gods of the above world and i'm the gods of no, the underworld off to the shadow one, realm with God. you summoned by the shadowlands you must never go there, Simba. You must never. So this is really important here with with Charlotte wanting to vote Ford out. It's what is it? It, it what that's telling me is that they especially with Teresa and this transmitter that she's been using to smoke information now and we learning that they want to simplify the host. What this is going to become of Westworld? Are they trying to make it a cheap inversion of itself almost kind of like well like a lot of large companies try to cut costs? and you know basically take away from user experience but like it's cheaper all around is that what what's happening or they just are afraid of how far ford could take this going forward that's my question i don't really know oh you um, can great debate okay. card fuck it <laughs> slay time wake up with the malice slay malice in the chalice baby this is gonna be a fucking good one because i like it mm. With the gods of the Olympia, because Josh doesn't like the underworld. All right, let's be on the good side of things, just like using the force, light, and darkness, baby. Here's the catch. So everyone's in Ford's narrative, right? 
At least that's what we're hopefully we'll find out at some point. No spoilers. So, what was it that you just said? Do you, someone can tell yeah, so because this brings up the my my biggest question was it's like what what is the board's real big like ulterior motive? Like, what do they want out of this by pushing Ford out? Do they want to make a cheap and experience to where like they're cutting costs so that way? You know, because what they want is they want simpler hosts. But is it because they want simpler hosting to run a more efficient business and everything to be like cost effective, or is it because they're afraid of what, how, like how far Ford can take this, and how like you know since he's getting so close to being pretty much human like they are now, are they worried about if he continues on and on and on, what will happen? from there so I, that's my biggest question like what yeah. is the, what is their reasons for wanting for it out so that's part of my great debate and here's the other part so in your opinion based on what you said answering your question do you think the theme the agents you know remember how ford was saying this isn't a theme park this is a whole world so to them is this just a theme park that they want to take global and seeing how far they can go with ai or is to Ford, is this a maniacal lifestyle? Like a sick fuck? Like, is he really like a sick, sadistic, almost like a Ted Bundy? I don't want to say Ted Bundy, maybe a Ramsey. Like, there's a bigger element to it. Like, he's not like a rapist or anything, but like, really is a sick fuck. Like, trying to actually play God, where hopefully he could take this on the world, which I guess that goes into spoilers later on, but. Do you think Ford had the plan to take this out into the world, or if this was really just a whole theme park idea? That's my debate on this. I don't. The thing is, is it's it's. I'm coming at it for from just watching the first ten episodes of this thing. I don't know. I don't um, know either. So like, the thing is, is that I don't know what the board's motives are. Like, why do they want to push Ford out? Is it because you know they want to cut expenses here so they can expand and do multiple West Worlds across the world, maybe, and not only have that as a one specific location? But in terms of Ford, I think it was always his plan to integrate the hosts with the humans, especially since how we see with with remember you know not to give anything away, but we learn about Maeve and you know her code and what's been happening with it this entire time, and how she was. You know, when she tries to make her escape, why she made her escape, it wasn't just her own thoughts. So it might have been Ford's plan the entire time to integrate the host with the real world without creating a whole new quote unquote West world. So, so that's a, that's just one last quick question though. Cause like take modern day, right? You know, you got universal, you got Disney world, you got all these things that do actually use animatronics just in their rides. But yeah. of course we have technology even like military technology to make them more apt to do different things. But for the most part, like when they're for that ride, they're really just reprising that role over and over, right? So of course Ford can take that and just make it that, like if they were just reprising their own host role over and over, like say Dolores would wake up in the bed every day, do exactly what she needed to do, go back into the bed. Why is it you think in your opinion that Ford wanted to make it so much bigger so they can do so many different things versus just that role. I say it's because he's a sick fuck and had another plan where he actually wanted to really take over more than just his own company is my opinion with that. 
I don't know. Especially because, like, remember exactly what happens to Ford at the end of this se- season. Mm-hmm. I've got to assume that was planned. I'm not going to tell you what it is yet uh, to the audience because it's something that will come up here shortly. But, you know, it doesn't seem like you can put that plan in full motion, uh, you know, given current circumstances and where he he is. <laughs> um, you know, so I think it... I think he wanted to give his intentions this entire time were probably to give people an escape from the real world in a world that they felt was just as real as their own, but they could be who they wanted and who they truly were, if only for how many days they could afford. So I don't necessarily think Ford's an overall bad guy. I think that the methods that he uses and the people that get hurt along the way are like almost in his mind, like the necessary casualties to almost creating the to quote. You know, Grindle, Grindle, uh, Grindelwald, <laughs> Geller, Grindelwald, <laughs> Grindelwald, the greater good, right? So, so right before that goes to the Shadow Realm. Say, if yourself, Jay Nelly was actually in this park, do you think it would mess with your mind where you might start taking the role of William? Like these things actually have feelings and emotion, almost like something, someone that's created a soul. Or do you still see them as like machines? I think it's supposed to, you're like that's the whole part, the whole point of Ford's thing is he, you're supposed to start to believe that it's real. And that's what he wants. He wants his stories and his creations to feel so real that you think that there's deeper levels and deeper layers when really in the whole entire time, as Logan realizes where most people don't, it's just a game. So that's what I think. I like it. So really what you're saying is Logan is the smartest one. Logan is the only one as of right now in season one that really understands Westworld for what it is. Yeah. That's what I really believe. I agree 100%. Yeah, I think this is one of those great debates. That doesn't happen often, folks. (laughs) Like Bugs Bunny says, oh, no, I guess that's Porky Pig. That's all, folks. (laughs) Almost as Bugs Bunny. Mm. Uh, But, yeah, off to the gods of the Olympia, (laughs) to the Mount Olympus with you. Okay, I'll let you take it away. Well, yeah, and to the the point, too, just to close close that, the questions out there, and especially with Logan, I don't necessarily like his character. And we haven't really been introduced to a lot of characters who have enjoyed uh, Westworld as a guest, right? Mm -hmm. We've really only seen, like, the creators and the hosts. It's very, very few people that we've seen outside the man in black who we actually know who was in there because, you know, who that is later on. But who have we really seen as guests in there? I mean, you saw the two that shot right. the people exactly. from the saloon. That mm-hmm. was pretty much you it. You wanted the picture with them and take the hat. Yeah. yeah. Right. But like, you never hear from them again or never know yeah. who they are. They're no one important. Very. I don't even think they had names. Right. So yeah. they, you know, they almost seemed like they knew what it was, but they only remember they stayed in Sweetwater or right on the areas. Like, right. Yeah. Where you remember the, the farther from the center you get, the more intense the experience gets. Exactly. Right. And that's where yeah. it starts messing with your mind. Yeah. Logan went all the way out to the edge and still understood what this was. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's yeah, credit that's where amazing. Credit, credit where wow. credit is due. Yeah, credit where credit is due. Hundred percent. Cool. Um, but yeah, now now uh, we get to where you know we're back to Ashley Stubbs and Elsie's tablet is showing activity in the park, and so Ashley Stubbs goes to investigate. And my question here, and I wrote this down. Was this a trap because he knew about Bernard and Teresa's relationship, and he was a loose end that Ford was trying to tie up? Because remember, Ford basically has full access to Bernard's every movements, every conversation, every interaction, right? So when when Stubbs had that like conversation, like you know, I I know about you and Teresa. I know it's gotta be a tough day because she's gone. Like you know, I just want to let you know that you have my condolences. You know, 
does that necessarily mean he's a loose end? Because like, if anyone can can tie Bernard to Teresa, they can can they can tie Bernard to Ford and kind of have that full loop of Ford may have been responsible for what happened to Teresa. So was he just a loose end that Ford needed to tie up, and was this a trap to get Stubbs out there? That's a great question. See, I just took it as this is when you know the code's been malfunctioning, so they're able to act for themselves. But that's a, that's a very good point. Like almost like the yeah. Night King, if you believe that's the way it happened in season seven. Yeah, because like then he gets out there and he gets ambushed by the savages. Yeah. You know, like yeah. it's crazy because he's like he freeze all motor functions and they don't and they they're acting for themselves. But remember, they're acting on behalf of a certain narrative. So if they're acting on behalf of the certain narrative the whole time, to me that to me there's a deeper reason because would Stubbs himself? They've got a whole security team. Would Stubbs himself go out for anyone else's? Um, uh, sequence radar tablet other than Elsie's. No. Because like he knew Elsie. Remember him and Elsie were the ones that came out to get that woodcutter that one time and all that happened. My only issue is like how much of a threat is really Stubbs to Ford? If he can connect Bernard to Teresa and then they can connect, figure out who Bernard is and connect Bernard to Ford that is only one explanation. Especially if they realize, because right now no one knows Bernard's a host really. Yeah. Right. Only, only Ford does. Charlotte doesn't know. The board doesn't know. Amanda Black doesn't know. Everyone thinks Ford's. A, I'm sorry, Bernard's a real life human. So if they can connect it, and we somehow you figure out if they realize Bernard's a host, it implicates Ford in everything. I mean, see, my only issue is like, what if you know the signals were coming from the middle West world, and then all the sheriffs and stuff started turning on him? Well, then you don't really know. Like that just could just be the host are acting out for their own will. But the thing is, it's not, this, this has nothing to do with the host. This was Elsie's tablet, a real-life human's tablet that was replaced back into what she remembers. Like, their whole thing was she was on vacation leave. Right, that is All true. of a sudden, her, that tablets, a point. her tablet's showing up, flashing out of the okay, fucking clear okay. blue sky. See, that, see, that's a very good point. Like, she, was, she wasn't even working yeah, at the that's time. that's what I'm saying. That all of a sudden, her tablet's showing frequencies. That's, it has to be a trap It's got to be a trap. It's got to be a trap. I have to agree with you 100% now, because that was your key... Fuck, that was your alibi. Because... <laughs> Otherwise, just like at work, like why would someone contact you unless it was an emergency when you're off the clock? So I, I agree with that 100. percent Wow, that was really good. Yeah, I think so. Um, but yeah, then I got we got back to your boy Logan. Next, he wakes up to oh, big wakes dirty. up to a massacre courtesy of William. Dude, dude. Why don't you get into it, <laughs> dude? He's a fucking dude. This is my problem. This is why I think Logan is the normal one. William's the fucking psychopath. Oh, he is the psychopath for sure. Yeah, like everyone's like. See, here's the thing: is like William at this point because he has this intimate relationship with Dolores. Like you almost develop like an attachment to him, like he's a hero. He's really not a fucking hero. No, he's not. No, but he wakes up and remember all the arms and legs are cut off. These yeah, he, fucking that, things. I, I literally wrote the switch is flipped. He's now fully like, like fucking yeah, he's, crazy. He's, he's turned. Yeah, that's like yeah, it's fucked. He's up. not quite like full. What you know? Because it's funny. We'll get into what happens later with the whole the hat. But yeah. yeah. But Logan, you know, looks at him and he's kind of freaked out in this moment. <laughs> even Logan wouldn't have done that. Mm-mm. Like that's fucked up. Like Logan would have shot and killed him. He wouldn't have cut off their fucking arms. And dismembered and, and shit. It's yeah, fucked up. Uh, really and fucked Logan up. was like, "Billy, let's talk about this." And William says, "You don't call the shots anymore." <laughs> like what the fuck? Uh, so William holds the knife to Logan's throat and tells him that they're both gonna go find Dolores. And he says, you're going to help me find Dolores, and don't call me Billy. Yeah. 
Like, and and then, you know, then we're going to go get into Bernard. But, like, William <laughs> snapped. Yeah, it's I funny. Cause it's funny. I started writing down Bernard's, like, interaction here. And I actually scribbled it out because I didn't find it that important about what happens. You, you see Bernard hold something, hold that picture, which will come important later on once we actually, the audience gets a view of what he's looking at. But I scribbled that out. So but if you think it's something important, I want you to tackle about what you got. With uh, no, right I just wanted to say one thing real quick about William and Logan. Yeah. I think that whole damn thing, like you were saying, was a farce where he like agreed agreed to like you know be like I'm sorry with him, and he waited yeah. for him to go to oh, 100%. sleep. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Like he, I didn't for one second believe that like brother bonding moment thing that they were doing. Yeah. But, uh, nah. but all I have about Bernard is you know he remembered his son. Wasn't his name Charlie? Charlie. Yeah. Yeah, dying in front of him. Um, which these have to be just like fragments and memories that were uploaded. But yeah. That's exactly um, what it is. Yeah, and uh, you know, and then we get back into Dolores. Yeah, that's what I have. Her entering that church and goes into that confessional, mm-hmm. which is this is weird stuff, guys. Because remember, this church, it's got it's that weird like black one that's kind of burned down almost, or like re- being rebuilt. Doesn't matter because that's the that's quote unquote the city under sand. Mm-hmm. This is Escalante, and the reason why you should know that is when she walks into the confessional, what she see, a bunch of people there like terrified of her and like kind of like cursing her name and why that's important is because of what she did to them which we don't find out until whatever I mean, this is this is kind of like a foreshadow moment she walks in there and there's a bunch of like just innocent people sitting in the church and then she walks into the confessional which is a very funny like correlation there yeah. her going to the confessional and then the confessional taking her downstairs into yeah. like like the underground like laboratory or whatever you want yeah. to call it so yeah, then I would have gotten. Next. That was weird, right? Mm-hmm. Like it, it turns from a church into like a science lab, right? But like it, it doesn't even turn into because it, it goes down under, and it's like it's like the thing was below the church, like the this, lab was below the church. It, it was felt weird. like if you were on an episode of Ghost Hunters <laughs> and you went into some weird like <laughs> mansion, door. yeah, and the lights are flickering and shit. It was very strange. Pull the bookshelf and it comes. Oh, yeah, <laughs> some exactly. Scooby Doo shit. <laughs> Oh my god, don't even get me started on this yeah. new song. Yeah. And to your point about Charlie, this is where we realize that Bernard's identity is orga- organized around a child's death. And so Bernard goes back to his cornerstone moment, and he actually takes control here. He acknowledges and understands that it's a lie and that he has to let it go. Which is huge, because his whole like every single time any sort of emotional response or simulation was attached to Bernard himself, it would all be about him sitting in the room reading like Alice in Wonderland to Charlie... Uh, you know, and then them leaving the room and him, like, dying. And one big full circle moment real quick about Dolores. Remember as she walks around the hall, the piano plays again. Yeah. Dude, you, I, I, the thing is, I wish that, I didn't, I don't really pay attention to the piano that much, but you do, and every time you do, it's a really good point. Um, there's a couple times that piano, the piano plays, but what do you find that was really big about the piano in this moment? I think what we find later is big about the piano but i think it's because she's searching for arnold is my opinion on that um but i feel like every time the piano plays for some reason it either relates to mave or dolores which springs back basically they're challenging their own world is the yeah but say is is a piano and like you know how it plays every time the opening of like right. them getting into westworld like we see like the saloon and that plays whatever yeah is that a 
symbolism of their loop? Is the piano playing the symbolism yeah. of their loop? That's a great question. Or here's a question. Because remember, Bernard, you know, he was the original one examining Dolores. Right, but was it Bernard? That's a good question. That's the thing, because yeah. I have this entire time, remember them flipping timelines? Mm-hmm. It's very possible that some of these interactions that we've seen between... Because, I mean, just let's just get here first yeah, so we, yeah, can, yeah, we can talk yeah, about that. We can talk about because, that all day. Yeah, because yeah. then we see the picture from before. Right. And, like, you know, he looks down into it, and, like, you know, Ford's talking to him, and Bernard looks at it, and we see Bernard in the picture, and we learn that... Bernard is Arnold, or at right, least the exactly. host likeness of yeah. him, like the host likeness of Arnold. So back to the point we were talking about just a second ago, literally there's times where Bernard was speaking to Dolores, but since there's timeline flips and changes, and you see how her outfit changes all the time, Dolores' outfit changes between certain scenes, we don't know when she's talking to Bernard or when she's talking to Arnold, man. Yeah, and so Bernard, because I want to read you this quote, because yeah. this is very interesting ford says i haven't decided what to call you i wouldn't be right to use his name how about bernard and bernard says yes but who am i you are perfect the perfect instrument the ideal partner the way any tool partners with the hand that wields it together we're going to do great things after such a long ads absence it's good to have you back finally and that's when bernard is on the table in front of Ford. So clearly Bernard is just like made in Arnold's image. Yeah, yeah, he's like the host he's the host likeness of Arnold. Gotcha. So he's yeah. not Arnold. No. He's the host he likeness the host, of him. Right? Yeah, exactly. Okay, gotcha. Just to make that clear. Almost like we were talking about earlier with clones. Like he's Arnold's host yeah. clone. Right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's my thing, and then that—that—that's you know. Here's my great debate card. I'm gonna throw my great debate <laughs> oh, card you're out there. Them all out. A hundred percent. Because my thing is, is like. Dude, who's to say that in the beginning parts of season one, like season one, episode one, when we see Bernard talking to Dolores, who's to say that wasn't Arnold? Because you know what? We got because they were switching different timelines with us all over the place with William and Logan, with the man in black, when with Bernard being the host likeness of Arnold. So you don't know if it's really Bernard or if it's Arnold because they both act and look the same. That's very true. That's what I'm because saying. Because you would think in your mind, which we're going to find out later, not giving away spoilers that Dolores would be after Arnold. Mm -hmm. But we find out later something very significant. So it very well could, and what you're seeing is fragments. Remember the secret? Remember, like, because uh, that kind of almost, like, supports that opinion. Remember when we never really found out between Arnold and Dolores. Remember when um, Bernard was trying to tell Dolores, like, you haven't been telling anyone about our meetings. Right. Was that Bernard saying that? Was that Arnold saying that? Because, like, it's almost remember, like Bernard would get his memory wiped clean because he's a host too about certain things. And this is a big question. And this is why it keeps raising questions on questions. Almost like you remember Harry Potter, like before <laughs> when you were in like Order of the Phoenix, where it said in the books, all it did was raise questions and questions. <laughs> and you were like halfway through the series. Um, here's the issue is are these things fragments that Arnold purposely placed in there or is it actually happening that's another thing too is is just Dolores remembering these moments and it's not actually what we're seeing in that certain timeline is it just like her memory fragments that she's having you know because she's a main character too so but it's tough to answer because we do see timelines jump around now if we were on one set timeline it was all the present time or it was all the past time 
that'd be easy. But since we are at least, at the very least, we're in three different timelines. We're in the present real world, the present Westworld, and 30 years ago Westworld, at the least. That tells me that it's very plausible that some of the interactions that we saw early on between Bernard and Dolores could very well have been Arnold and Dolores way back before. Right. You know, that's that's my question. Exactly. I don't think there's really a debate about it because we don't really know. Like, we, like, that's just something I wanted to bring up and wonder, you know, and if maybe if some of the audience out there has any sort of I mean, think about this, yeah. right? I mean, pretty soon, this episode, we're going to talk about at one point, you know, where Dolores talks with Arnold. Mm-hmm. And think about that and, place. And remember, the, the outfit she was wearing is the same as the earlier episode. Exactly. And that's, that's a different place. Like, so that's very interesting. It's thought. crazy stuff, man. It is crazy stuff. So. Like, I can't even have a solution on it because I feel like we don't know enough yet. Right. I'm really interested to see, you know, if the audience has any feedback on that. Maybe if they, didn't, if they missed it or if they maybe even saw something further on, let us know, guys. Because that's, that's a, a big, that's a big point. thing. Yeah, yeah it's a huge that's thing. good. I like it. But, you know, we've only got a couple more bullet points of episode 9 before we go into episode 10 here. Um, uh, next thing I have is, like, Dolores talking with Arnold, and we learn that Dolores killed Arnold. Remember, because he goes, so he's talking to, like, like uh, what do you say? They're underneath the church at this point. They're sitting in the two chairs. And you have the quote? I do. Yeah, kill yeah. it. So, when they're sitting in the chairs, uh, Dolores looks at Bernard and says, Arnold, Bernard, whatever you want to call him. Arnold at this point, right? Arnold, yeah. right? Arnold and says she found the center of the maze, but it was all pain and terror. And Bernard, well, Arnold, sorry. Arnold says, I can't help you. You know why? Remember, I can't help you. Why is that, Dolores? And she says, because you're dead. Because you're just a memory. Because I killed you. Yep. So we learned that Dolores killed Arnold. Yeah. And she looks up and she's actually talking to no one. Remember she looks up from that chair and then there's no one across from her? Was this all in her head? Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And then now we got the man in black showing up at the church. Uh, <laughs> I like it rough, Dolores. <laughs> <laughs> so then it's crazy. Uh, Bernard, we get back to Bernard, the actual Bernard who's the host here now. And he's threatening to set all the sentient hosts free. And there's this quote that Ford says that I just love so much. And I might use this quote in real life he says the piano doesn't murder the player if it doesn't like the music it's badass that's such a good quote so awesome because like it's like like the instrument you're basically an instrument that i created so like the almost like the the piano player he like you're the instrument and i'm creating music out of you that's basically what ford is saying and he's saying that piano is not going to kill the piano player because it doesn't like the music it, the piano player is playing you're under my control that's what it's. That's basically another way of him saying, "You're I. I control this all. Like, I am in control. Like, have you not got that by now? Like, right. Mr. Bernard, I am the person running this shit. I mean, think about <laughs> it this way: even if the music sucks, he's still in control. Exactly, because you, the, 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 if I get the, the, think about this, guys, just to relate to this quote, if I jump on a piano right now, I've never played piano in my life, and I just start mashing keys, that piano can't kill me because it doesn't like what I'm playing on it. I'm still the one playing it. <laughs> like, just think about it. Like, that's it. Think about this. Just even if the music sucks, you're in control. Mm-hmm. Even if these hosts, hosts think they're in control trying to not go the way Ford wants it to go exactly, like a theme park, Ford is still in control. Yep, 100%. Uh, and this is cool because, you know, 
we find about that that fail safe like like the backdoor code right you know, I want you to go into that a little bit because what I wrote down here is just basically that Ford wanted Bernard freely to be his partner even though Ford was in control the whole time and could have ended the whole conversation way earlier but he wanted because he say what do you say like uh I, I fell into that human trap of like you know you got that so yeah I think you know I have every quote I've tried to be better about this actually ironically <laughs> Actually, uh, what's funny is a lot of quotes Josh tries to get me to say. Ironically, it'll be like the one quote one I don't, don't have because yeah. I'm trying to get better at. But basically, Bernard, uh, Arnold, Arnold. Well, this is Ford. Bernard right now. Arnold. Yeah, this, this is Bernard. Bernard. Okay, yeah. so we are back. Yeah, to we're Bernard. back to the Sorry. present time. My notes. Bernard. Yeah. Gotcha. It's hard, right? Yeah. Right. It's all the jumping around, man. So Bernard and Ford are standing in the lab of Clementine. Yes, right? that's, that's Bernard. Okay, cool. So Bernard tells Ford. That he is going to finish Arnold's work. So this truly is Bernard, just mm -hmm. like what you were saying, and set the host free. Mm -hmm. So now we got a big problem. Right, because that's what Arnold wanted, yeah. real Arnold wanted the whole time. Do you think this is why that they wanted to send Ford out? Maybe, but who who would have guessed that that was his ultimate motive? That's my thing. Like, no one is, unless there's a double agent that's playing both sides of the field that has yet to come up yet later in the season which makes you wonder which could possibly be like who would be feeding the board this information that that uh you know you know what i mean i do agree with you because Teresa said you're a monster yeah. remember when that happened and we talked about that last episode but so ford tells bernard um that bernard is a real threat to the host and he says um they won't trust bernard because he'll remember all the scourge that uh, you know he brought right. to him. He's a genius at this point in time because he's not doing the dirty work himself. All the times that, that they're probing and <laughs> testing, it's Bernard doing this behavioral testing. He's the head of behavior department. Exactly. And so all these hosts are all they're gonna remember is all the fucked up shit that Bernard did to them. Even though Bernard is acting on the orders of Ford, they're not gonna see that because they're hosts. I do have so, this badass monologue do I want to say because Ford is maniacal. Yeah, this is good. This is a good monologue. It's very very relevant. Do your thing. Tell me, Bernard. If you proclaim your humanity to the world, what do you imagine would greet you? A trick-or tape parade, ticker perhaps? Ta ticker tape. Ticker parade. tape. Sorry. Kind of like with the Super Bowl. Right. If you got if there's a sports team wins the Super Bowl, they get a ticker tape parade in their city. Wouldn't it be funny is. if it's tricker tape? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> we humans alone in this world for a reason. We murdered and butchered anything that challenged our primacy. Do you know what happened to the Neanderthals, Bernard? We ate them. We destroyed and subjugated our world. And when we eventually ran out of creatures to dominate, we built this beautiful place. You see, in this moment, the real danger of the host is not me, but you. So come along, Bernard. Let me roll you back and we can return to work. And then this is when Bernard orders, you know, Clementine to pull the trigger because that was his plan yep. the whole yep. time. Clementine, <laughs> pull the trigger. <laughs> and that was the thing. Like, Bernard even realized he couldn't pull it against Ford, so Clementine do it. And he yeah, says, he, like, in our mind, it's like, yo, Bernard has this awesome idea. Like, he programmed Clementine to only listen to him. He's the only one that's got full control. And if he tells Clementine to pull the trigger, she's going to do it. And then what yeah. happens? And then she doesn't respond. And that's when you had that quote that you said about the piano player. Um, the piano doesn't murder the player if it doesn't like the music, just like you said. 
Um, and Bernard accuses Ford. He realizes what happened. Exactly. You built a backdoor code. Exactly. And that's what happened. So yeah. it's just, it's such a maniacal plan. Like it, it's so, he's, they're all trapped. It's really Ford's maze. This entire time is what they're trapped in. Um, and remember, you know, Bernard walks over and he takes the pistol from Clementine's hand, uh, you know. Well, before you get into that, because there's, there's actually an important part. Oh, yeah, you're yeah. good. Go for so, it. So, number one, the first thing is is that Ford still has his, like, human faults, and he accepts them because he's like, well, I, well, Bernard, the reason I didn't stop this whole thing from where it really began is because I wanted you to freely join me and want to be my partner. You know, and that was just a you know, mistake on a human emotion that I had, that, you know, that's what I wanted. And then, you know, what did he say? He said... I like the narrated version better. Bernard walks over to Clementine, takes the pistol out of his, her hand, <laughs> puts it to himself, and he knew when Ford walked out of the room, he would pull the trigger. Oh, that was amazing. It, you know I mean? like, that was yeah. so good, yeah. So, yeah, that was great. That was yeah. awesome. It's just he narrated trapped it. in his world. Yeah, Ford narrated exactly what was going to happen, and then when Ford walked out, obviously like Bernard tried to stop him real quick, and then that's when he tells him goodbye, old friend, and then... Uh, you see what happened. Ford walks out of the cold sword, and Bernard, boom, shoots himself in the head. And that closes out episode nine, and now we start into. And remember, 10. remember, Bernard was even realizing he lost and yeah. said, Don't do this. And Ford said, It's yeah. too late. I have a celebration to plan and a new story to tell. I told you, Bernard, never placed your trust in us. We're only human. Inevitably, we will disappoint you. <laughs> Goodbye, my friend. <laughs> so yep. maniacal. Yeah, dude. So now we open up with uh, episode 10 in season one. And yeah. this is where we see Dolores being built and assembled just from, like, the neck and hand. Like, so the neck up and her hands. So we see Bernard, not Bernard Arnold is the one that built Dolores specifically. And this is way back in the very beginning because how we can tell that. Remember, the Man in Black tells us that nowadays the hosts are built with flesh and bone just like humans. But what we see there is just all full robotics. So, Do you think you can even do that? What? Actually build um, AI with flesh and bone. I don't know. This is okay. I don't even have Malice in the Child's card to play. I already played it. Who so gives quick, a quick, fuck? quickly. It's an hour. We well, got, we're just, making great time, so, by the way, actually. The one thing I'll say is if you guys have ever watched this show back in the day called, was it The Ultimate Warrior? I think it was. I've never seen so it. So basically, what it would do is it would match up, like, it would try to take warriors from a certain time against warriors from a different time. For example, one of the ones they did was a Spartan versus a ninja. Right, and so what they would do is they would take the weapons and what type of damage they would do to humans, and they would take this really crazy like I sil- remember this, yeah, the yeah. really the really strange silicone things that closely resembled human flesh as close as you can possibly get. This was on the so, History Channel, yes, wasn't yes, it? it was. I remember it, yeah, right, exactly. Mm-hmm. And so like, and then you could see like when they would like the Spartan come down with this like short sword, like with the type of damage it would cause, and like mm-hmm. you know, and then based on like some simulation of. I think it was a thousand fights, which one won the majority of them, and they would be going on to the next round. It was like tournament style or whatever. You know, there was like Vikings really versus cool. pirates and shit. Like it was crazy. Like, <laughs> yeah, that yeah, was like different. Badass, but the reason though. I bring it up is because when they would do their tests on the type of damage they would do to human bodies, they had weird silicone 
um, substances that simulated human flesh, but not quite worse. So to answer your question, as of right now, I don't believe that we could really make AI out of you know flesh and bone the way humans are, but it wouldn't surprise me at some point in the future that becomes a possibility. See, it makes you wonder, which I don't mean to get, remember I told you like Josh has this whole idea like, I'm like seductive or something because I go into all the seductive sick ass scenes, right? But no, like think about it, like implants and stuff and organs and that sort of thing. It really makes you wonder because coming to a real point here, if we can just like, if you've ever seen the movie, The Island, which is, have you ever seen that with no. Scarlett Johansson? The whole idea behind it is they made these clones so that they had all these extra parts. So think about this. This is very intellectual. So stay with me. I'll, I'll take it slow if you, you have trouble following along. You know how we've developed cloning, like how they had sheeps and stuff. So the whole idea with that, which the wrong way of that, because I believe you are basically playing God at that point. If you're making all these clones, you basically have all these spare parts. So, like, if someone had a liver failure, well, then they have an extra liver, right? So, who's to say they couldn't take, like, all these clones, cut the parts out, and then put them with the AI material? Then you basically have an actual human. It's just their bone is mechanic. It could be, but here's the thing, is that what would actually have to happen, they would have to use cadavers, right? Yeah. Right, they have to use dead people's bodies. Number one, sick. You'd, you'd actually, ha- well, you'd have to get permission from families, unless yeah. you're only doing it for like homeless and people don't have any families. And even then, you have to figure out a way to be able to properly preserve. Skin is the biggest organ on a human's body. You gotta be able to figure out a way to preserve. Even if you like cut it out and like strip the body of skin to where you only see like, the muscle, mu- musculatory system, and like just that like that nastiness, and you take the skin completely off of a person, right? That's disgusting. You still gotta find a way to preserve that skin to be able to use it again. Like, I, do I? Is there a way to do that? Who knows? I mean, look, is it like on like actual AI though? Like, say you go to Disney or you go to Universal or something or uh, another theme park where they have like the robots that are part of the ride. Is that like wax or what is their actual like skin? Like like say, you know, the Hall of Presidents over at Disney, right? Like they look like people, but you can tell they're not people. Is that like wax or something? Oh, it's like synthetic plastic. Like it's okay, yeah, gotcha. it's a hundred percent. Yeah, there's no there's no skin like substance to it. It's all full robotics on the inside, and like they've got like some sort of silicone plastic that they use. So like if you actually touch it, it's hard to the touch. Like plastic gotcha. would be because yeah. you can. It's like tell smooth. It's, different. it's almost like it's yeah. like a, like if you guys ever seen something be epoxy. I, honestly, this cup that you got, I know that people who are listening just in audio can't see, but this cup has an epoxy seal around it. And so if you actually touched one of those animatronic figures, you would kind of feel that smooth surface, like feel that right there, like that smooth surface yeah. of what it would These be. These are our on, wine cups, by yeah. the way. Like a Spider-Man, you know, Josh, if you look on the YouTube, Josh has the Lion King cup, yeah. which is badass. I love Lion but, King, but we got too many fantasy things. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the thing is that those those things are built. But you know what? Anything's I, – I don't ever want to say – never say never, right? We've always learned that because the way things progress over time and our access to technology is getting – stronger and crazier every single year you know it could happen but i just don't see it as plausible right now this is what's so cool because this is where we actually toe the line because it really is like plausible it could be sci-fi it's just so much of a stretch it's still considered fantasy really you kind of see what i'm saying yeah Yeah. um but i love it because it it lets us cover the show so fuck yeah (laughs) for sure (laughs) But yeah, um, and by um, the way, this title for this last episode is the bicameral mind, which is exactly what Arnold's theory of consciousness was—was mm-hmm. was the bicameral mind. 
um, which was like remember there's that pyramid the bottom was memory the middle was improvisation and the second like the, the, the point it was supposed to be that inner monologue that was given to the voice that was supposed to end up becoming their own which is kind of funny because you know we'll get right. there in a second but exactly <laughs> yeah so then after we see Dolores being built uh, we actually go back to where the man in black is with Dolores and what's he tell her he says you even took me here once remember are we figuring out who this guy is yet he took she took care there like the, the city's covered under sand so anyways now we go back to William and dra who's dragging Logan behind the horse and he finds El Lazo to enlist his help in finding Dolores right yeah and then uh what do we got next? The next big thing I got is the voice in Teddy's head tells that's him that's what remember. I was gonna say. And Teddy is like back on that train again, right? Because he died. Remember, the, remember yeah, Angela stabbed right. and killed yeah. him, so he's starting his loop all over again. It reminded me of Call of Duty when you hit respawn. <laughs> yeah, like, respawn. Yeah, that's exactly what it is because he was so far away from Sweetwater. The, the thing got really intense. He died. Now he's starting his loop from the beginning. Yeah, but the crazy part is, is he's starting to remember? And he's starting to have those flashbacks to Escalante. Because remember what happened in the very first episode when he bumped into that Grizzly Adams guy? Like, they bumped into each other, and he gives him, like, the two-finger salute. Yeah. This time, right. he bumps into him and turns around and just fucking fires and yeah. blows his ass away. Kills him immediately. Do you think when they're respawning, they're recognating these memories that Ford uploaded? No. No, because we've seen them... Remember every single time Teddy died, and it would start the next day from episode one to episode okay. two? Gotcha. Remember when the Man in Black killed Teddy? And all of a sudden, start back over, and then the lady's like, "Oh, I like, like you know, I, mm -hmm. I don't like perfect, or whatever the reason was." But he never, like, he was very content living in that same loop of like, do whatever happens. You live as long as you live until you die, then you start back over at that train. Right. So, but now he's starting to remember past things, and specifically, is remembering Escalante of when he helped Wyatt kill all those people. Yep. Right. Mm -hmm. And now. We're back to Dolores over here where she finds her own grave. Did you notice that? Yep. It was I her own right grave mm -hmm. and she finds the maze toy. So we realize, it's crazy, and I even wrote it here. We realize the center of the maze is a euphemism for the host finding themselves. Because where did she find that maze? At her own grave site. Yeah. It's a euphemism for the host finding themselves and hearing their own voice, gaining consciousness in a way. That's what the center of the maze is, and that's how you learn it, especially if you're paying attention right there. She finds the, the maze toy on her own gravestone. Yeah. So Wasn't it in, like, a jar? It was that back in the jar, right? Right, right. So, yeah. So, I don't know if it's a jar. Or it's just a, a lid. Can. It's like the yeah, lid. Yeah, lid. So, you pop lid. the lid off, and you yeah. play with that toy there. So, yeah. Quick, quick, just real quick thing, and this is ridiculous. I wish I had the malice and chalice, but the bell that was attached to the grave. So actually, that was a real thing in history. Yes, it was. Yeah, 100%. I really wanted to say that, so I can hold it back. Yeah. You want to tell them that real quick? Because you know uh, we what can, it is. we can both do. I will tell you. So basically, um, with I think specifically it was with the bubonic plague. Was it? Yeah. Like, yeah. So um, people would contract this illness and they would be buried. But the problem is, is sometimes like one of the symptoms was like paralysis. And so they would be buried and they would realize, you know, they would dig up these, these um, caskets later on and realize the inside of the classics had claw marks, the person trying to get out. So what they realized is that they were accidentally burying people alive. And so what they did is they went ahead and installed a system and I'll let you tell about the system. So um, if you ever heard the term, you know, ring the bell or uh, uh, what is the bells? I forgot what the exact, like there's a, um, an old cliche 
um, thing for it. But like if you ring the bell, the reason for that is because if you were buried alive, you would ring the bell and it would let them know to get you out. You've been buried fucking alive. Yeah. A big place for that is actually close to here. Because I used to be like a huge history buff because my background's journalism. If you go to Savannah, Georgia, where they, um, back in the 1700s when yellow fever broke out, we were talking about this on the show, they ran out of places for the bodies and they piled up in the tunnels. Well, that's, you can actually still see like there. They took the bells down, but they were buried with the bells because there were so many people buried and they were just burying them, like not even really checking. And, and this is back before embalming was like a big yeah. thing and stuff. Uh, you know, people, they were finding claw marks inside the grave. Imagine that. You were <laughs> fucking buried alive. Yeah. Could you imagine waking up and you're inside a coffin? Like, what do you do? You just sit there and die? Yeah. yeah. Messed up, man. But back to it. Sorry, I didn't have a mouse in your chalice. But. Yeah, no worries. But so, you know, the next thing I have here, and this is something that you can kind of deduce. We learned that Arnold enlists Dolores, who in turn enlists Teddy, to kill every host in the park and destroy Westworld. This was Arnold's entire plan the entire time was to shut down and stop the the creation of Westworld. And he was almost very, very close to being successful until he realized some fucking idiot was a big investor. <laughs> but <laughs> anyways, so that was the whole thing is that Arnold realizes what he did, like what they were doing was wrong, and basically creating sentient beings and taking control of their lives and playing God. And so, what he wanted to do is he wanted to destroy every single one of the hosts. So now we go back to Dolores with the men in, man in black, and Dolores tells the man in black that she found somebody true, somebody whose path leads back to her. And it's funny because right before we figure out that full circle moment. It jumps back to El Lazo with William and Logan, right? That's right. So, I just thought that was pretty cool because now we're starting to see what they're doing in this, and it's very, very beautiful in how they portrayed it as a show. They're doing sequences right when you're about to find big moments. They're changing the big moments from from timeline to timeline. Yeah, exactly. So mm -hmm. it was awesome. And so, anyways, then we then we get right into where the board wants simpler and more manageable hosts and they plan on giving lee sizemore creative control when they push robert out so now yeah, we see right. what's going on there and what their backdoor plan with lee is he's going to take the spot of Teresa. Mm -hmm. so then then it goes into mave waking up in the real world and makes changes to get armistice and hector to wake up on their behavior tablets exactly. right and, and then as that's happening, because it's funny, all the, what they're doing, and it's, it's beautiful video editing and the way they sequence this. They're having big climax moments and leaving us there, leaving us there, leaving us there. All these big things are happening. Keep in mind, like, like I just said, Dolores is about to make a really big discovery here. We get back to El Lazo, William, and Logan. Then it jumps right to the board, and we figure out what they want to do with Lee Sizemore. Then it goes to Wave, Maeve waking up uh, uh, Hector and Armistice. And then it jumps to, uh, to Charlotte. Charlotte, exactly. <laughs> yeah, going to Ford, and like the board has vote, like has decided to vote him out unanimously. Imagine how much they just shit on season eight. Like <laughs> the uh, yeah. editing Great. alone would throw you off doing the damn writing for mm -hmm. the shit. Like this could literally be a book. It's beautiful. It's amazing. So yeah, man. But all that goes for they the they they decide that they're gonna vote him out unanimously. Did you my ass. Yeah. I put unanimous my ass. <laughs> but it was unanimous though. That's the crazy part. It was, but that's 
doesn't matter. <laughs> exactly. You <laughs> like, see my yeah, point, yeah, right? Like, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. 100%. But go 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 from here. Take the next part. Um well, this is when I have like remember that necrophilia rapist, the guy that was like raping bodies like yeah. is there and he like wheels off Hector and he's like it's you and me now. Yep. I usually do the move in the club song, but yeah. Josh hates it, so I'll I'm gonna call myself. Else. Yeah. I'm gonna call <laughs> something else. But he says it's just you and me now, macho man, and wheels him off, and that's when you have this moment where it was just it was this disgusting yeah. scene, right? Remember, he was like, "What's this really fucked up?" There's fucked up people like this in this world. Um, remember, he was like lubing up himself or something because he was like had Hector undressed. But point was, he was basically about to rape Hector's really? dead body. Man, I don't... The thing is, I don't... I have to go back and watch that. I just watched that yesterday. He was, like, lubing up himself, and then he was about to masturbate on him. I don't... I'm going to have to look back on that, because I don't remember it myself. I don't want to contradict you, because I don't remember it like that. But I... It was, I'm going to have to really see that, because yeah. I don't remember... I remember him, like, making funny, like like verbal passes at Hector but I don't remember anything about lube or like getting ready to masturbate this, like that. this like might be this might trigger it because it was like he was maybe he didn't actually lube himself it was when Armistice had already woke right, up right right because the other guy was like putting his fingers in her mouth and taking the stuff out of her mouth yeah and like he couldn't get one thing and, and then she bit the finger, finger off. off right so like but, it was like at the same time it had cut to him for like 30 seconds and he was like getting himself ready to but the problem is I, I don't believe that's the case because remember what happens and how he realizes like shit's about to go down is when Armistice throws that guy through the window he's not gonna rape this guy while that guy can see him you know <laughs> I what I mean? He was about to do the so dirty. So that's but that's why I think like maybe I, I we think, saw it. Maybe I am I, fucked up. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think you maybe be mistaken about that. But we can go back and watch it. <laughs> I just don't think that's the case. K- man. Chase is adding in masturbation uh, notes uh, for some reason. In rape. <laughs> <laughs> I did so, not want him to rape him. But I was just saying what the guy did previously, first of all. Right, right. He has a history of necrophilia. Which but, he did say this, because this is true. I'm not making this up. There was a camera where Elise caught yeah, him Elsie caught raping him. Yes, exactly. that thing. Yeah. yeah. So, that yes. wasn't like I just pulled that out of my ass. But the thing yeah. is, like, I don't remember that happening in that scene. And we mm-hmm. should, we honestly, when we finish up, we we'll might go back up and, and see. we'll see what's up. Yeah, but we'll see. I don't believe that that's what happened. I could be wrong. But, uh, I mean, anyways, I could be wrong. I just remember yeah. him wheeling him off. And I don't think his intentions were good, is what I was saying. Right. And I remember, like, the verbal, like, like playing around that he was doing <laughs> and talking about. That. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, like, making pa- making verbal passes at him. Like, oh, yeah. Which, on the bright side, like, just so our audience knows, like, he gets what's coming. Right, and that, you yeah. know, to kind of get back into it, Armist- Armistice wakes up and like conscious in the real world, and she bites the finger off the surgeon, mm-hmm. you know, and she throws that guy. Like, well, first she puts the guy's own finger in his own mouth, yeah, and then she throws him through the window. <laughs> then that guy that, that turns he turns around, and Hector wakes up behind the perv, and that's what I said. Hector wakes up behind the perv and kills him. <laughs> it's just you and me, my friend. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so now it's Maeve, Hector, and Armistice. They're all alive and conscious in the real world. Which right. what the fuck like this is never supposed that's to happen wild. yeah 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 or is this supposed to happen that's a thing like that's what i'm saying like it's all yeah dude right so anyways uh sylvester under duress he tells mave that the person who originally altered her core code made it so that she can wake herself up out of sleep mode and the access code was for someone named arnold yeah so like who actually altered this code was it the person that we think who's in control the whole time 
or is it this other mysterious guy that we've been hearing about all along? But is this mysterious, mysterious guy and the, the maniacal doctor the same mm -hmm. person, like a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde moment? Yeah. What's going on? Crazy. We don't know. No one knows. So then what do you got? Delor Dolores tells the man in black that William will find her. Yeah. The man in black laughs, and he goes through the story of trying to find Dolores. And that's when we kind of really figure out who the man in black is. Like, I, I figured it out pretty early. The one twist that caught yeah. me here in season one is when Bernard was the host, but I really did catch who the man in black was. Yeah, I black, figured yeah. it was William very, very early mm -hmm. on. But yeah, we find out that this entire time, the man in black was William. And now we know for certain those other timelines were years in the past that we thought may have been the present when Dolores was having those memories of her adventures with William. Yeah, so. and remember, this is when the Man in Black tells Dolores that William killed everyone in the town. That he was, like, talking about um, that the Man in Black, you know, William will find her. And that's when the Man in Black tells her, like, he traveled to the edge of the earth. And that's when you had that scene with Logan. Remember, when mm -hmm. Logan was, like, naked, not to bring up the seductive stuff, but he actually was. He was naked on the back of that horse, which I was thinking, here's a question. Do you think he had him naked on the back of that horse because it was almost like what Ford said? Like, you almost have no feeling like a host. Like, you mean nothing to me now, Logan. I don't know. I think it was more the, more the fact to, like, make it super hard for him to, like, get off the, like, basically get back to either the real world or back to yeah. Sweetwater in the center. Like, basically making his journey more difficult than it would have been if he had equipment and had clothes. Right. Like, you know, dehydrating him, making it harder to find water, making it hard to find food. Like, so that's what I think there. But before I get into that, there's one thing I wanted to say. Sure, go for it. This is when we start to see William slowly become the man in black. And this one full circle quote right here. Remember that one guy? He's with Logan there, and he and that boy... And Logan kind of even eggs him on. Because he goes... What do they do? The girls here, Billy. What do they do to him? And like, you know, so like, this this he tells <laughs> that boy to draw the gun. He's like, yeah. pick up that gun. That's and right. then he, what he say? He that. says, "How about I give you the first shot?" That's the quote. Why is that mm -hmm. quote important? Those are the same words that the man in black said to Teddy in season one, episode one, when he was trying to save Dolores. How about I give you the first shot? Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. So that's big. That's huge news. So. That, that's I thought it was one more shot. How about yeah. I give you one more shot? How about I give you the first shot? Because he didn't pick up the gun yet. He didn't shoot okay. at him. Yeah. He didn't even shoot at him yet. He's got to get the gun. Makes sense. Yeah. So he's like, how I about I give you the first shot? Yeah. So big full circle moment coming all the way around because if you remember, that's exactly what he said to Teddy. And like I said, small moments, you start to realize who people are across this whole different timelines. And then obviously we get to that part where you're talking about with... William and Logan and William or Logan fully stripped down naked tied to the horse uh, the picture falling that yeah. was a big moment which I do want to read this quote yeah. by Logan do you think because this is a big deal because he looks at William and this is when you I mean you've already started to notice William isn't exactly the good guy yeah um, even though you kind of had this attachment to him but he said and this is where I got respect for Logan because he's real just like a wise person once told me <laughs> Josh over here you know, your best friend is really someone that is the most real to you. They're mm -hmm. not just going to tell you what you want to hear. And Logan says, I told you this park would show you who you really are. You pretend to be this weak, moralizing little asshole, but really you're a fucking piece of work. Mm -hmm. And William says, this place is remarkable, and I'm going to make 
Sure, our company substantially increases our holdings on the park because this place is the future. Look at our company? <laughs> My company? This is uh, our company? You piece of shit? And then William says, I think your father's going to need someone a little more stable to take over. And he tells him he's basically taking it over. And Logan laughs and says, you're never really going to give a shit about the girl, did you? You were just an, she was just an excuse. This, this is the story you wanted. So it goes to show, William, he almost started enjoying this maze. There's one part of the quote that you missed there. They actually said the word Delos, which is the company that owns uh, Westworld. So yeah. that's the crazy part there because Delos is the one that's currently fighting Ford Delos, and trying yeah. to get trying mm -hmm. to get um, Ford out of the you know, pushing him out. Yeah. So then you that was it. Back. That yeah. was the see. I yeah. couldn't read it. You did. Yeah. My company Delos. Delos yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's that's the biggest part there is that you realize that Delos is Logan and Williams. Well, I guess Logan's father's company, mm -hmm. but still, that's really important because. We now you know full circle. Delos has been talked about this entire time in the present world, and now you see where it came along through the past. But yeah, uh, then what I said here is you you finally see William donning the black hat. He finally went full circle from choosing the white hat, which is supposed to symbolize a hero in Westworld when he first entered Westworld, and now he dons the black hat and he comes. You know, he lived long enough to see himself become the villain, right? Hey, real quick, real quick, going back to the rapist guy. Just it might trigger something. Remember, he put in his ear pods. That's what I was talking about with the whether he lathered himself up or something. He put in like his headphones in yeah. front of Hector. Yeah, he put in his headphones. Like that's how they work. <laughs> okay, well that's what I was talking about. Like yeah, he put they, in his head. They put in those little ear pods oh, and okay. they just go to work. I thought he put in his headphones to drown everyone out to lube his nasty. Why would like why would he <laughs> drown anyone else's voices out? I don't know. I thought it was like someone going in her private room while they turned There's the no photos. There's no private room. Like, you can see like, they, they were both working in like uh, like adjacent. I rooms. thought he was trying to get himself ready. Nah, I don't think <laughs> Anyways, so. Anyways, okay, back to the real world. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, well, well. First, I want to say that you know he strips Logan's clothes. We find out Delos is Logan and Williams' company. Well, Logan's father's company ties him securely to the horse, and then lets the horse roam free on the edge of the park. Why that's important is because they're on the very, very edge. Remember, the the experience gets more intense the further you are from the center. Now they're at the very, very edges, and he just set Logan off, tied up with no equipment, no clothes, nothing to help him out at the edge of the park where the experience is the most intense. So when we do, you know. Just from spoiler alert, from what I've heard, we come across Logan again, re, like you know, in in this series, he's got to be close to insane. You know, his mind's yeah. got to be like fucked up because you know. Which give Logan credit though. 100%. You get to the edge of the park and he still realized it's a game. I don't know anyone well, else. Well, at, that at this point, that. we don't even know. At well, this exactly, point, I mean, I don't they know. They could have fucked then. him up from there. Yeah, but, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. But anyways, then we go where like the Men in Black still telling a story about how William. Yeah, when himself as William finds Dolores back in Sweetwater, only to realize that Logan was right the whole time, and it was all just a game. Yeah. Because remember, he's Logan told uh, William that you never gave a shit about the girl, and he's like, well, of course Logan was wrong. Yeah, he did right. care about the girl, and he went back to find her in Sweetwater and thought like it was gonna be like a big romantic thing, and then only to realize that that can rolled off just like it did when he first met her. Someone else picked it up and gave it back to her, and this whole entire time he was played with because he thought she was special. But entirely, this entire time it was all the game. It was, it was all the all game. game, anyways. 
So then this is important too, because now Dolores tells the man in black, almost echoes uh, Logan's quotes. Remember Logan said, like, this world yeah. was meant for me? She goes, this world doesn't belong to you or the people who came before. It belongs to someone who is yet to come, which is crazy because remember, that's almost exactly what uh, Teddy said that Wyatt was about. He came, Wyatt came back with some strange ideas. And that was the, those exact words were what Teddy said that Wyatt said. But now Dolores is the one saying to the man in black. Then from there, now Dolores is the third person, the third person to tell the man in black, the maze wasn't meant for you. We have got one more person that is supposed to tell him that. And we'll get there in a second. But then Dolores starts whooping the man in black's ass. Yeah, like, just straight, like, fucking ass. all over the place. Like, yeah. great Where shit. the fuck did she learn that, by the way? Where was that the whole time? Like, <laughs> yeah. golly. You know? Um, yeah. Well, I mean, let's be real. Dolores has really been kicking everyone's ass this whole time. Remember, she stopped. She basically saved William with the gun. Um, yeah. Last episode, we were talking about that. Right, but like, dude, this is thirty years later, <laughs> and like, yeah. and then this is all hand-to-hand combat. Why didn't she use that when the man in black dragged her off to the damn barn? <laughs> like, you know yeah, what I mean? I don't know, man. Because because it's part of the new narrative. Where that's was the point. Sirio Pharrell? That's that, what I want to know. That, that's <laughs> yeah. the point. It's all part of the narrative, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now, and Teddy appears and he shoots the man in black down. Like, obviously you can't kill him, but he shoots him many times until the man in black mm-hmm. falls down, right? Um, so then Dolores tells Teddy to take her to the place where the mountains meet the sea. And that's where we break back to where Maeve, Armistice, Hector, and Felix, they break into the cold storage room. Right. Right? And then Maeve, we actually get to the back office room and we see Bernard down, like dead from getting killed. And Maeve orders Felix to fix Bernard. And Felix says, yes, master, I will do it. Like, right? Like, basically, Maeve is Felix's, like, end-all, be-all. Maeve is the robot... Felix is the free-willed human, and for some reason, Felix does every single thing that Maeve asks him to do. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. And then, this is one of the things that I said was super important, right? There was a handful over the years like Maeve, and where they say, most of you go insane, right? Because like, they've healed Bernard up. They right. Heal, they healed him, they got him back to whatever he was, uh, and... Dude, it just this whole entire thing is from episode one to episode ten, just a big mind fuck. Like it, it makes you think that they're going on these crazy arcs, only to rein it back into what the real world is the whole time. It, it it almost tries to play a game with our minds the way it did with William's mind that we're thinking there's something deeper into it. But again, the whole entire time, like it's it's bringing us back to where it's a puppet show. It's crazy. It's a fucking puppet show. They're literally just playing into Ford the entire time, and he's pulling strings. That's what's going on. And what did he say? He said, "How can you learn from your mistakes if you can't remember them?" Right? <laughs> That's yeah. good shit. How do you take it from here? Um. So are we uh, we're at. Maven Felix. Yeah, right Felix after they fix Bernard. Right yeah. after they fix Bernard. Yeah. So after they fix the uh, Bernard, so then I have uh, Ford. You're, we're at this part, right? Mm-hmm. Where he congratulates um, William, the man in black, for finding the center of the maze. And um, what's he selling? Do you have the quote? Oh yeah, I got everything. But he actually, this is one quote I really don't have. But I, I do. Let me it. say Go it because it. this is the this is the oh, part I was trying to make. Yeah, William. 
I see you found the center of the maze. I tried to tell you the maze wasn't meant for you. The mm-hmm. fourth person to tell William the way he for this entire time was trying to tell William the maze was not meant for him through Angela, through the little girl, through Dolores, through himself now. He's been trying to get into to William's head. Dude, stop thinking you're, you're, you're doing too much. Like, you really believing this world. I'm trying to tell you this maze is not meant for you. There's no secret I'm trying to keep. Like That's, that's like the, the guy part. that's stranded and then a helicopter comes and he's like, nah, I'm, I'm waiting for God to save me. This is crazy and then, you know, <laughs> someone sends a, you know, a, a ship. He passes a ship, says, I'm waiting for God to save me. Then someone sends an airplane. He passes the airplane, says, I'm waiting for God to save me, and then gets eaten by a shark. It's like, well, you know, he sent you all these three things. Yeah, he sent you many, four. He sent him mm-hmm. multiple times. And so what, he's, what he says is, after he says, I tried to tell you the maze wasn't meant for you. It was meant for them, meaning the hosts. Yeah. Right? And then we jump back to Maeve. And this is a crazy quote that she says that I wrote down that I love. Maeve is one of my favorite characters. She says, I've been stuck in this shithole for so long, I decided to get out. And Bernard says, no, you haven't. Someone altered your storyline and gave you a new one. Escape. And Maeve says, no, not possible. These are my decisions, no one else's. I planned all of this. And Bernard responds to her, no, you didn't. You can even see the steps you're supposed to follow. You recruit other hosts to help you. Then you're to make your way to the train. Which is (laughs) exactly what the fuck she does. Mm -hmm. This is crazy. And that's this point. I said, Maeve heard enough and snatches a tablet from Bernard and breaks it. Because she can't handle the truth. Well, Bernard goes, then when you reach mainland, and that's when she, like, snatches the tablet. And you're just like fuck like everything's being playing this entire time you think that Maeve has been this like you know breaking out of this loop and she's finding full consciousness and she's herself once you realize that someone altered her code to make her be doing these things in the first exactly. place it's crazy <laughs> shit man um, but yeah and then we got there's a disturbance in the cold storage but there's no video surveillance remember they're trying to get them like, right, they, they're trying right. to take a look yeah. through all the surveillance cameras and remember Ashley Stubbs has been we don't know at this point he's tagged, yeah. tackled by the savages in the, in the West World we don't know if he's alive or dead I'm always one of those guys that says like I don't believe he's dead until I see the body right so I know yeah. Teresa's dead yeah. for sure but I'm still not positive Elsie's dead and I'm still not positive Stubbs is dead so we'll see yeah. but anyways so we've got the new kind of person the head of, like the head of security and they're trying to check what's going on but there's no video surveillance in the mm-hmm. cold storage right so then we get what to Teddy Teddy and Dolores yeah, Ted- yeah. Teddy arrives mm-hmm. with Dolores to the place where the mountains meet the sea and you know like he fulfills his promise he took her there and she dies in his arms but the problem was it was a scene in Ford's new narrative <laughs> yeah he literally like like it literally has her die in his arms and then you can almost kind of hear the director say cut and then like literally <laughs> ford steps out and you know talk, talks about his new narrative called journey into night and i <laughs> do want to read this because even what they're saying if you dissect it shows that they're in ford's narrative um and it's just a few quotes but dolores says you come back and teddy said someone once told me there's a path for everyone which is full circle and my path leads me back to you if only i had run away with you when you first asked me to dolores says and where would that where would we run to the other world out there beyond 
Some people see the ugliness in this world. I choose to see the beauty. But beauty is a lure. We're trapped, Teddy. Lived our whole lives inside this garden. Uh, marveling at its beauty, not realizing that there's an order to it, a purpose. And the purpose is to keep us in. The beautiful trap is inside of us because it is us. And Teddy says, no, no, no. And this is when Dolores starts to die and Teddy's crying. And Teddy says, but we can find a way, Dolores. Someday. A path to the new world. And maybe. Maybe it's just the beginning after all. The beginning of a brand new chapter. And that's when the lights go off. Right. And the crazy part that you said that that just made me think about almost helps me defend my point, what I was saying earlier. We're trapped in this garden. But I don't know what's one of the biggest biblical things like Adam and Eve in the garden. Yeah, the garden. The garden. Of Eden, yeah. The Garden of Eden. So it kind of again goes back to where Ford is playing God. So Yeah, that's wild. Interesting stuff. But yeah, it was a scene of Ford's narrative and he called it Journey into Night. And then we realize, then security realizes the breach and that the hosts attacked humans in the real world. Why is this huge? Because all these hosts are supposed to have these codes to where they cannot harm real life humans. Right. Of course, right now it's only Maeve, Hector, and Armistice, so it's only three out of whatever, but it's going to come into a big problem pretty soon mm-hmm. here. Because then when they, the security enters the cold storage, Armistice, Armistice and Hector are hiding in plain sight. They're right there with the cold storage people pretending not to be able to move, right? And all of a sudden, they just, like, they get on their, they, they get their weapons. They kill all the security people. And why this is crazy, think about this. This is all set in Western times. So the guns that Armistice and Hector are used to using are all one-pump shotguns. Yeah. Now they've got full automatic weapons. And you can see how excited they are. They're like, holy shit, what is this? Like, they can do mass killings. Which, like, think about this, too. Here's a good point. If this was really Western times, if these were real people, they would have probably picked up on back in real Western times, they wouldn't have pump shotguns. You would have had rifles and pistols. Would you really have five gauge shotguns in the middle of the Western world in the 1800s? Well, think, I might have put it the wrong way. It could have been a 33, but the way, like the pump action thing that they shot with the one arms, I think that they used the proper weapons for Westworld. I don't think that that, would, that ever came in the question. Right, but don't you think, like, if you were a. That just goes to show there are more hosts, because wouldn't you think. I mean, I think they used the right things for Westworld, but going back to real Western times, like, I guess it depends how far back you go in the Civil War and stuff. I don't recall. That was back when they were doing the packing with the muskets and stuff. Well, right, and those were those were one shot, yeah, the one shot things. But the thing is, is that, like, the that's that's all different time frames because the Civil War was at a different. That was in Logan and Williams timeline. Gotcha. But think about it though. So it's almost like they think they're in this present day, but they're in the West, so they have like shotguns because it was just made there. Like Like, think like all the all the guns they've got the they got the revolvers. Yeah, they've got the rifles. They've got you know Mm -hmm. the one pumps. But the crazy part is, is that now like they've got some real modern weapons, and yeah. you know they are badass killers as yeah. it is. Now you give them real life modern weapons, and they're right. fucking mowing down the security like they're, you know, hot knife through better, yeah. man. Exactly. Yeah, so, uh, and I even said they love the new age guns. <laughs> but uh, then we go back to like kind of like Ford spectacle, right? Mm-hmm. Teddy shoots glasses off of Re- like a glass off Rebus's head, gives it to a real life human girl, and she shoots Rebus in the arm, like. We start to see, like, all this is just Ford's game. And then 
Uh, Did you have where Maeve and Felix like see those samurai things? Yeah, and she asked him like, yeah. "What what are those?" And he said, "It's complicated." Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Which like are those going to come up later on? Because that was the only that I didn't even I remember it from memory, but I didn't write it down just because like is it that's, really important? We're not sure. That's my thought because it it brings up the whole idea that you can expand this outside of just right. the Western world. That's <laughs> a good point, dude. It could be yeah. we could be doing you know samurai like time frames almost like the ultimate warrior thing we're talking about we can exactly make, right make yeah. certain hosts for different time yeah. frames in different areas but yeah good point and did um, she leave hector yet did you get that part not yet okay. not yet gotcha. yeah. there was one part there where like she says something hector hector says you don't get all the fun yeah. <laughs> so what i have here is armistice and hector are just fucking up the entire security team team and what armistice says she says the gods are pussies. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right, yeah. So then this is the part where they have to leave Armistice behind because her she's killing them all. Exactly. Yeah. So Armistice gets her arm trapped because a guy ends up, like, breaking open, like, the security thing, presses, like, the red button, and it closes that door. It has, like, dust spikes in it, and it stabs her in the arm, like, her shooting arm. And so she can't move anywhere. 127 hours in real life. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah. for a host, though, you know. <laughs> for a host, yeah. <laughs> so she, you know, she tells everyone to go in to leave her. And, like... It's almost like a game for these guys because what does Hector say? He doesn't feel bad at all. What's he say? He says, die well. Die well. Like, what the (laughs) fuck? These guys are monsters. Yeah, it's fucking crazy. You know? But again, they're not really human. They are hosts. And, like, back in the Western world, like, that was an honor was to die shooting. Like, seriously. So, and then, uh, we, we, what I even say, they get to that elevator and Maeve pulls one over on Hector. Doesn't let him oh, escape with it. her. I love it. And and then what I said is that Hector ain't even mad about it. Like no. Hector didn't even care. Like he like smiles and like he, he she's like she tells him that she values her independence. Like yeah, I didn't authorize you to go with us. You know. Yeah. I like you, but I, I value my independence. And then what she tells him, she kisses him and looks at him and says, "Kick up a row, will you?" Yeah. And then Hector says, "See you in the next life." Oh, like, Hector's a badass. Hector might be my favorite. Guy. Like honestly. I love He's Hector. no Logan. Or Lee. Lee is the tits, Mickey. But remember, <laughs> like, she's like, I'm weirdos. sorry, darling. <laughs> yeah, I do. I always like the weirdos for some reason. But well, no, Danny. Well, she was a weirdo in her own, her own right? <laughs> Actually. Yeah. But then we kind of go back to... Um, yeah, Ford. see, in the next life, but then you go back to Ford. Yeah, Ford fixing up Dolores, like, getting her lips all back to normal because, yeah. like, the big, like, blo- broken, bloody area. And this is full circle. This is crazy because we learned that yeah. Ford has been purposely keeping them apart, Bernard and Dolores apart, because they have had an odd effect on one another. Mm-hmm. So it's like, were some of those meetings with Arnold and Dolores that we were seeing, or was it fully just Bernard and Dolores, and they've been having weird effects on each other because they both hear Arnold's internal monologue? I don't know because, you know, Bernard was made in... Arnold's likeness, but then mm-hmm. Arnold's the actual one who made Dolores. Like, right. it's so confusing. Like in terms of that, um, but yeah. But then this is this is the part where I think you missed, and that I saw because we were talking about it earlier. When Ford has the tablet in his hand, he uploads. You can even see where it says Wyatt narrative. He uploads the Wyatt narrative to Dolores. So Dolores is Wyatt, and that's why you're seeing yeah yeah this no, entire I saw time that. yeah it's like that. mm-hmm. that's like this entire time that you're seeing like we we had questions about it in the beginning because it was strange when Teddy would we would see a man when they would mention Wyatt walking through those streets and shooting and killing people remember that man with the with the mustache and the that's beard that's right yeah we would see him and we're like mm-hmm. okay that's Wyatt but in reality he never existed that was a figment of the imagination and the entire time 
why it's actually Dolores. And that's exactly why Angela said you were going to help Wyatt because Teddy is tied and bound to Dolores this in, like, throughout their entire right. code. Exactly. So, mm-hmm. Really weird shit. And so then we find out that Arnold actually made Dolores kill him, right? So she has him, like, he sits down in his own chair, and she, after she and Teddy had wiped out the entire population of hosts, right? This is crazy. And this is almost to the part where we realize exactly what happened and why the man in black stopped the fact that Arnold was this close. Was, you know, if William wasn't a psychopath and just listened to Logan and realized it was all a game, likely Westworld would have never opened, right? Yeah. But he goes, like, she puts the gun to his head, and Arnold says the famous words, These violent delights have violent ends. And she shoots him in the head. Dolores kills Teddy next. And then shoots herself in the head. Arnold wanted everyone dead to stop the park from opening. But William saw the vision because of Dolores. How fucked up is that? Arnold created Dolores to end the park. But it was because of Dolores that William decided they needed to invest all of Dallas's, like up the stakes in this company to see it come to fruition. Because William thought there was a secret level and there was more to this. Yeah. And there never really was. Good shit crazy yeah so then what we got we're going into uh ford this is a good quote by ford i like this a lot he said they say or i forgot who the the person he quoted was he said some famous philanthropist or philosophical person said any man's dream that takes 10 years to correct is quite a man mine have taken 35 so Ford's kind of tooting his own horn here, basically saying that, you know, my mistakes have taken 35 years to correct, so I'm I'm quite a man. Like, I, I am someone who's very special, right? And don't forget, like, the big full circle moment with this is, remember Dolores really loves to paint. So he pulled up this p- painting of Michelangelo, mm-hmm. and that's what he was saying was there was, like, a bigger, deeper meaning here. And just like you said... He said, uh, wasn't an Oppenheimer who said that any man Oppenheimer, who mistakes, that's yeah. yes. 10 years to correct, it's quite a man. Mine has taken 35 years, just like you're saying. Um, so it's also this full circle moment of, that's really wild. Because think about this. The whole idea that Dolores likes to paint, it was really just put in her head by Ford for this deeper meaning. But was it Ford or Arnold? Because Arnold's the one that initially uh, built, built yeah. Dolores. Yeah. Right? You know, so who gave her her likeness and dislikes? But the thing is, is over time, you know, he could have been altering her, whatever it may be. But Yeah, it makes you wonder. Yeah, you see that, that um, what's it called? God introduced himself to Adam painting that Michelangelo did. Basically, it's like the God touching the fingers with, like, the human. But then, like, the whole thing behind it was, like, there was, it was in the shape of a brain, so one of one possible interpretation was like divine meaning doesn't come from uh, like a outside person, like you know, someone else. It's it's inside your own, it's inside your own mind. Mm-hmm. So basically, kind of even more furthering uh, our hypothesis that Ford really really deigns himself as a god because he was able to create all of this out of his own mind. Right. So that's the big full circle moment that I saw. Yeah. Um, then we learned that the gun Dolores kept finding was actually because Ford was directing Bernard to leave it where she would find it. She was always drawn to that gun. Remember, she would open it up at the drawer to go and be there. She opened mm-hmm. the haystack to go and be there. Like it was because Ford was directing Bernard to make like they put it in places that she would find it. Yeah. Because she used that gun 
to kill all the hosts and and herself and Arnold, right? And uh, anyway, so Felix and May, we get we get back to them and they're in the elevator. And um, man, what is who says that Arnold's still trying to change us to free us? Bernard says this is what Bernard's like one of his last words to Ford were because now they're back in that church. They come up to that confessional. They're in that little hallway right before like, Ford opens it and gives his big final speech to like his people, right? He shakes, like, so basically, um, he, he tells, uh, well, he, this is what he tells Ford. He says, you know, you may think that you'll never lose control of this place. You may knew that you'll never lose control of us, but you will. And he said, Arnold's still trying to change us, to free us. And then... This is a, kind of like, this is a paraphrasing right here, but Ford was telling Bernard, like, you know, suffering is what leads you, like, people to their awakening. And suffering is what led you to your awakening. And so what he says is, unfortunately, in order to escape this place, you will need to suffer more. Time to say goodbye, old friend. And he puts his hand out, and Bernard shakes it. So, this is where we kind of see something crazy is about to happen. He tells he tells Bernard the secret to escape because like this whole time we're thinking Ford's this bad guy who just wants complete control of his of his hosts, but he's telling them like how he wants them to escape. He wants them to be free. So is he the full bad guy that we think he is? We don't know. Like that, it's crazy because what ends up happening very very shortly, we'll never be able to really find out. I don't think. And I do want to say that quote because there's a, yeah. another piece here that is important. It says Ford said to Bernard, you needed time, time to understand your enemy, to become stronger than them. And I'm afraid in order to escape this place, you will need to suffer more. And now it's time to say goodbye, my friend. Good luck. So he's also saying... The humans are the, the enemy. He had to understand humans them. are the enemy, but he's... You almost question whether or not Ford was a bad guy. That's what I was saying. <laughs> yeah, but it's like... Because he's giving them the blueprint to escape and be their own people. Yeah. But, like, is he doing that in a way, like, are they going to cause mayhem in the real world? Are they going to cause destruction in the real world? Or, like, what's going to happen? But here's the like, other why question. does he want, like, his own host to... Is he trying to basically make sure Bernard can still be under his control in the afterlife? In the afterlife? I don't know. I just because like, the thing is I don't see the evidence to that just based on that interaction itself. I mean I'm sure there's stuff that will come up later that may be the case, but almost kind of the way Arnold because Ar you know Arnold was supposedly you know Dolores shot him in the head and Arnold died, but Arnold remember he even said earlier a couple sentences before that Arnold's still trying to change us to free us. Right. So like if Arnold's able to do this based on the codes that he put in from beyond the grave, then who's to say Ford can't do the same? So it's hard to tell if Ford's a good guy or a bad guy at this point in time because mm. it seems that he's trying... He wants these hosts to be as human and lifelike as possible. And it seemed like Arnold wanted the same thing, but Arnold felt it was a, it was a wrong thing to keep them in Westworld and to keep them you know dying and bringing them back and erasing the memory and, and all of that. And so it's almost like Bernard... Not Bernard, I'm sorry. Ford is like... Okay, I'm starting to see that. And so the people, all the hosts that can find the center of this maze and gain their own consciousness, they have a chance to live a normal life and, and be free of this place. Right. So it's like, maybe maybe he's even taking some of Arnold's like thoughts, but adding his own like stipulations to them. It's hard to tell, man. It's yeah. hard to tell. But just to finish up here with episode 10, um, 
And Dolores is sitting down with Arnold, and she says, "Do you know?" Oh, I'm sorry. I, uh, yeah, he tells her, "Like, do you know now who you've been talking to, whose voice you've been hearing all this time?" And while that sentence is going on, the voice changes from Arnold to Ford to her own. So that's the crazy part because then she sees herself, and again we realize the full circle of everything. The center of the maze is gaining full consciousness. And so, like you said, the, the, the title of this episode is super important because the bicameral mind is a theory that Arnold had that between memory, improvisation, and I forgot the last point of the, the pyramid, would give you full consciousness. Like here in the inner monologue, that's what it was, the inner monologue, that eventually that voice would become your own. And guess what? That voice became her own. And now Dolores has gained full consciousness. Right. Here's a quick question. So remember when Bernard played the music before Dolores, right? Um, so was he doing that for his son, or was there a deeper meaning behind the piano playing? Like, was that more of a memory so Arnold stays in the realm, is what you would say? I don't know, man. I, I, tough for me, because I, 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 I didn't pay much attention to the piano. Uh yeah, I don't know. I don't have a good answer for it. Because that's what I would say. Because it was almost like Arnold was playing that before his death um, for Charlie. So it's almost like he's keeping that piano playing. So it's always a reminder Arnold is there somewhere. Maybe. In some form of consciousness. So, yeah. I can see it. I, 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 Just can't, I can't argue with it. Yeah, I, I can see it. But yeah, then Ford introduces his new narrative. And what's he say? Uh, this, this is the birth of a new people and the choices they will have to make and the people they will decide to become. So basically, what he's telling the real-life humans is that the hosts are, are coming alive. Yeah, that's exactly, exactly what he's saying. Yeah, he's like, this is the birth of change. a new people, the hosts, that they will have to make and decide the people they will become, gaining full consciousness and deciding their own lives. Right? Exactly. So because like after... I remember when Bernard showed Maeve that you know she was given the directive to escape like that was changed in her code by Arnold there's nothing past that though so after she does the escape like everything she does is going to be kind of on her own accord and that's what he's even saying here is that they they, they will have to decide like the people they will decide to become they are going to decide so that was really important there yeah. too because it's almost like he's giving up full control because he knows what's about to happen and this is the really important part here crazy shit Lee goes to the cold Lee Sizemore goes to the cold storage and every decommissioned host are gone. Yeah. Where the fuck are they? And I have a theory. I may be wrong because I haven't seen. You've seen up uh, season two, episode one. I haven't yet. But I have a theory. Um, when the man in black has things coming towards him, we can't really see them, but he gets hit in the arm. And I'll talk about that just in a second. I wonder if those are some of the decommissioned hosts that were in cold storage. I don't know if that's true or not, or if they were some of the savages. Don't tell me. I'm looking forward to finding out. But um, oh, I don't even know. Oh, okay, okay, <laughs> yeah, got so it. You're welcome. Got yeah. It. And so, um, and so then that then as he's like, so as Lee goes in there and he sees it because keep in mind Ford's like narrating this whole time, like talking while this is all happening. So Lee goes into the cold storage, sees there's no host there, and then Ford is talking about his narrative. He's like, it begins in a time of war with a villain named Wyatt and a killing. This time, by choice. Yeah, that was wild. This time by that was choice. Awesome. Why does this? Why does this resonate with me, bro? 
is because of what's about to happen, it's almost like they did a step-by-step exact happening of what happened in Escalante with Arnold. Mm -hmm. Everything happened almost the same exact way, except this time, Arnold was the one that made Dolores do that. This time, Ford's saying they have to make their own choice. I'm not making them do it. And it's crazy because it's almost exactly what happens because then he says, I hope you enjoy this last piece very much. And what happens... Just what Dolores did to Arnold, shoots him through the back of the head and kills him, Dolores does to Ford. It's almost a step-by-step reenactment of Arnold's death and and massacring that city in Escalante, because they're still in Escalante now, because that's where the church, remember he came out of that church, he walked through the door, that's that's where they are, then they start killing everybody, just like they did it's it, it's a mirror image of what happened with with Arnold and how he, Arnold controlled Dolores and told Dolores to kill all the hosts and Teddy to help. Then she kills Teddy and then kills herself. This is almost a step by step thing, but this time it's free will choice and she kills Ford and then they they start massacring everybody else around. And the piano is playing. Full the piano is playing. <laughs> yeah. And I said now and I and this is what I said here. It's like these hosts can all hurt humans for real now. Because remember, that was one of the yeah. biggest points is that hosts were not able to hurt humans. But now they are, right? And now no one can stop them because they wanted to push Ford, excuse me, they want to push Ford out. So Ford, with his last fuck you, says, I'm going to die and no one's going to be able to change these motherfuckers' codes because yeah. I'm the genius and y'all fucking late made your own bed. Now you're going to lie in it. Basically is what happened, right? Yeah. And so the man in black gets shot in the arm. And like a, a group of shadow hosts approach while Dolores shoots guests from the stage. And that ends season one. But basically they're overtaking this yeah. party and Ford, his last words are, this inspires you... change. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, yeah. Well, I, hope, you I hope you will enjoy this last piece very much. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it, basically what it's, yeah, it's, it's all basically a fuck you to Charlotte and all the board members is what it is. Yeah, it's like, you want to push me out? Well, good luck dealing with my creations now. Because what was one of the things he said? He's like, how do you know I won't just destroy all my toys and go home? Remember when Charlotte went to go visit yeah. him down there? And she's like, because I know you. And, and Ford in his mind is probably like, all right, it's like, bet, do bitch. you know me? Yeah, like, all do right. You really? All right. Yeah. Because now they've got hosts that are able and liable to hurt any person that they come across that they feel they need to. And they've got no one there with the expertise to code around the masterful mind of uh, Robert Ford or even Arnold. So yeah, they got no coders that are anywhere near that. So yeah, that's how that was season, how, season one, one, man. Fucking awesome. Yeah, so the reason stuff. why we talked about what we were gonna say, everything comes full circle. This entire time, anytime you thought anything was happening, like Maeve gaining consciousness, Dolores figuring out who she was, it's all part of Ford's narrative the entire time. There was not one thing that happened that Ford did not anticipate or want to happen. So as much as we wanted to believe that some of these hosts were like figuring themselves out and, and breaking out of their loops and breaking out of everything, it was only because they were told to do so. I mean, even going to the point of the beach where Dolores died, you thought like he was bringing her to the beach because that's where she originally wanted to yep. go and he knew he, she was dying so he could hold her before she died. They had seats and lights there. Like it was the front of the stage. It was all part of Ford's plan, literally everything. It was From episode a one through ten, <laughs> the so, entire time, and that concludes season one, man. So yeah, good stuff. Looking forward to the future in season two. 
we're probably going to do something very, very similar where, where in season two we'll tackle episodes one, two, three, and four in part one, five, six, and seven in part two, and then eight, nine, and ten in part three of season two as well. And, and we'll start that on uh, uh, next week. But, uh, you know, it's, it's been great, guys. And, um, you know, just something I always like to say, thanks so much for the, the following. This was a request, right? Westworld was something that we only really did because we had a couple requests for it. It wasn't one of the mm-hmm. ones that were right on our, our target list of, yes, we are going to do this. It was something that was requested. And so uh, we take those pretty seriously and we want to make sure that we do it justice. And, you know, like I said, guys, thanks so much for, for the, the following, you know, all of the interaction that we've had so far with the, the listeners on, on our, on all of our platforms and, and the numbers too, man. Cause keep in mind, like, yeah, it's just, it's been, it's been a blessing being able to do this during a time where people have a little bit more free time than usual. Yeah. And the numbers reflect the, the work that we put in and reflect the, honestly, the, what, what you guys as listeners enjoy, you know, your, your enjoyment and uh, looking forward to continuing this on. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, I mean, this is going to be a ride on its own. I love these mini arcs like this cause it gives us something different. Um, but even just the intellectual thought that goes into the season is fantastic. But trust me, we see all your requests. Like we talked about it on the Jeez. last episode. Dude, even forget <laughs> about the last episode. Me and you were just texting each other yeah. last night, and we're talking. We're, we're sending each other screenshots. Like he was sending me a screenshot of Doctor Who, and what was the other one? And uh, like, uh, Dark Materials. Dark Materials. What is it? It's based on yeah. the Golden Compass or something. Yeah, and I was like, dude, like, man, we like we got added to 2029 because there's no way. And I, that was kind of being yeah. exaggerative there, but like between what we were talking about in the State of the Union, we're pretty much booked through 2021 and 2022. Then I was sending him stuff that we were looking to do, like you know, Black Adam, The Eternal, Spider Man yeah. Three, Venom vs. Carnage. And we're like, dude, how are we going to get all this stuff done? And in a time frame that makes sense but you know we're, we're really we're looking forward to the the exciting challenge and we're here to meet it head on and uh, yeah but uh, as of today guys that was another ridiculous production this is uh chase and josh factor fantasy signing, signing off, off.